I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his NB. Episode 23, another episode of a gay and his NB. Thank you all so much for listening, subscribing uh, to wherever you listen to us, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the various podcast platforms. Uh, please also follow us on all of our social media, including TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, and be sure to let a friend know that we are a podcast talking about all things gay, all things envy, all things on television. And we are going to spend this episode talking about all things Bravo. And uh, really exciting. Uh, coming up next week, we're returning to our one episode a week uh, oh, thank format. God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, we are enjoying all the lovely television that we are getting to consume, and we are enjoying bringing it to you every week. But a bitch be tired. I am up to, like, 4 o'clock in the morning editing these episodes on Thursday nights, and uh, I'm glad that I don't have to also do that on Friday night um, to give you your Saturday episode uh, next week. I still do that this week. So appreciate your editor um, and your producer. Um, Maybe leave a rating or review to, tell, to <laughs> love, show your appreciation. Lovely comments. That That's what makes us pop up in the algorithm. Um, but next week, we don't have Drag Race. Drag Race is done. Uh, we are talking about the finale this week of Ultimate Girls Treeps. Uh, I, my English ran out the door. Ultimate Girls Trip. There it is. Um, the finale of Ultimate Girls Trip is also this week, and we'll be talking about that this episode. Um, so next week, we won't have that to talk about. We will have Survivor, we will have Jersey, and we will have uh, Vanderpump Rules. Um, that's next week, but this week. This week, we're still going to talk about Girls Trip. We've still got a, a good discussion on Vanderpump Rules. Oh, my God, this shit hits the fan this week. Mm -hmm. um, but, but before we get to any of that, we got to go up to Ireland, talk to our girls from Jersey. We're over in Jersey. Uh, I had some thoughts on this episode. Um, I think we're, I, I mean, I think we'll get into it in terms of things. It starts really great. I will say this. The episode yeah. starts really great. Uh, because they're continuing the sort of pub crawl. Well, they're starting the pub crawl, really. Right. They had dinner. Um, and they they start going on the pub crawl. This is, like, fun. Like, this is the fun shit that's been missing from Jersey, I think, for a good while. And I think more of that, please. Um, they're walking in Jen Fessler at one point almost eats shit. <laughs> it was great. She she just gets up and very sternly goes, that did not happen. They, she goes, walk. <laughs> Keep walking. <laughs> um, but they go to uh, these bars. Um, they get into, um, they talk about how Jackie's such a, you know, such a drinker and stuff like that. And we've seen in past seasons, her ability to sort of put down her, her beer. Uh, and so she basically gets into like Guinness drinking contests with other patrons in the bar, in the bar. Um, she like, she chugged one where it was very, um, impressive, but also ended up being, looking very suggestive at the end. I expect that screen cap to have a Brazzers logo on it <laughs> any second. Very much. And even Melissa's like, she's like that real college girl who can just open your open her mouth, if you know what I mean. Which is odd considering the stories we've heard. Anyway, continue. I mean, famously uh, Evan does not get blowjobs, so it, it, yeah. The, I was just not going to name it, but we can say mention it on all. Podcasts. Mention fine. it all. It's fine. Um, Jennifer even chugs one of her own, uh, which uh, was impressive. But she's she's like, I just want to stick to tequila, like, um, which is fair. But tequila in Ireland, come on. Well, we'll get to it later about how I thought they were making some interesting choices in terms of uh, uh, 
devouring certain things. But well, I mean, but Dublin is very diverse. It has a lot of. There's a lot of different. Sure. Well, people yeah. People we'll, in Dublin. Well, yeah. It's we'll, like any major city. You're gonna have a. a a vast array of cuisines and cultures to partake in. Sure. Um, I love at one point they're just like, where's Jen Fessler? And then they cut to her just chugging her beer. Like with, it was, it was really good. Like the editing was fun. Like it felt like everyone was having fun. And at a certain point, like, like she, Oh, cause she chugs it. And, but like half of it gets on her shirt. And so they're like, Oh God, it's like a wet t-shirt contest. And then Teresa and her just start throwing drinks on each other in this bar. <laughs> Jeez, like I, I will say this, like like you said, it felt so fun. It felt so light. I felt like these nine, nine women. Jesus Christ, yeah, is a lot. lot of people. Um, but I really felt like these nine women enjoyed each other's company, at least in this moment. You know, when they were able to just let everything else go. And just have fun. And it, it was really refreshing. It was really nice. Yeah. And I love them all being like, uh, when they get into the Sprinter van or whatever to go home, and they're like, oh, God, after party, when we get back to the castle, cut to like 30 minutes later, and they're passed out. <laughs> Every last one of them's passed out in the van. It's great. It's really good. So we wake up the next morning as everyone's getting ready. Um, Melissa says that she took all the pictures down off the wall in her room because she, again, we've talked, like, she's like, they looked creepy, which girl, I get it. I don't want some old dead people staring at me from the walls. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot. Um, Margaret is wearing a a t-shirt that just says endorsed on it, which apparently she got printed up, which like, (laughs) I mean, to be fair at breakfast, she does, um, offer to get Jen her own set of those pajamas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jen, Jen, like, I thought Jennifer took it in stride. Yeah. Here's the thing. Margaret will do teasing, but she will always, uh, either during or after the fact, will always include the person being teased in on the joke. Sure. Like, that's what I like. That's like, what I like about her and why I, I think give her maybe passes when maybe she shouldn't get them, but... I feel like she's at least at the end of the day is good hearted. And that's, that's why I really enjoy Margaret. Yeah. They go down for breakfast and they're, they're and I love when she pushed, uh, what's his face into the pool. That, that was great. That's always good. The, <laughs> we, we'll never, we'll never have a problem with that. Um, they start talking about like, cause they, I guess they have blood pudding or whatever at the thing. And like, I don't think it's that weird. Like, I feel like, you know, you, you've eaten worse. It's fine. Also, I, white it's it's white has, American shit. Meat has blood in it. Like, what do you? What do you, you eat steak? What are you bitching about? Like, come like, on. Like, do you do you cook your steak well done? Like, come on. Um, Even then, the blood is still in there. You just can't see it. All those juices, that's blood. Yeah, blood. Uh, <laughs> Rachel and well, Rachel's talking about sort of how. Her and Danielle, even though they've had issues, at least bonded laughing at Jen Fessler almost falling. Um, and we do see it like they were like, oh, like falling onto each other, like laughing, essentially. Um, and then Melissa basically tells Rachel about Danielle calling her a rat at Envy. And I love she says this. And Dolores pulls like the biggest like shocked face because uh, like, the, they keep playing it. It, like it's almost it's like calling someone to see you next Tuesday to call them a rat apparently in in Jersey like it's like I mean it, it's it's more of an Italian thing but yeah it's it's it, it comes from like the mob and stuff like that yeah like you you don't rat out the mob that and you end up with cement shoes like that sort of thing sure 
like so call, accusing someone of being a rat is like putting a death sentence on their head almost yeah. and Rachel basically says that Danielle going around and talking shit um instead of actually having a conversation with her is rat behavior so i mean it mm. <laughs> we'll get to it i uh. But the, this great Rachel had a great line though, because Danielle then shows up uh, and starts getting breakfast, and they're, she's like, "Oh, what is this?" And they're like, "Oh, it's blood pudding or whatever." And Rachel goes, "I heard it's rat blood." <laughs> that was a good line. <laughs> that was a good like. That was a good dig, and it was timed well. And Danielle, like you could tell, like you know, and the producers were on point with that edit. It was perfect. Yeah, um, and then we get into this fight again. Uh, Danielle was basically like, you ran through a laundry list and Rachel saying she didn't. And Danielle is like, it was a two way conversation. Um, I think the issue I had also was like the way they were all seated also at the table. This felt like exactly deja vu, deja vu from last week. It was the same fight in the same like space with the same people making the same points and I was like, oh, my God, guys. Like, that, that was a bit of my issue with this episode because it also keeps going later where it's just like, it feels like you're having the same fight over and over again at this point. Yeah, but, I mean, this is, you've got to figure it's a cash trip. So what is feeling like the next yeah. week for us is literally just the same argument still happening. It's just, it's the next day. It's sometimes not even the next day. Yeah. You know, so I, it's still fresh for them, even though it's old for us. And like, it's just like, I feel like mix it up a little bit. Like, I, I think if you can keep it a little more fresh, cause then naturally you, if you have issues with people, you're going to get in the same fights, but it's like, I think because Jersey is so like divide, clearly divided on lines yeah. that it's just like, okay guys, like really, um, Rachel basically says that, well, Danielle threw Teresa and Jennifer under the bus to Margaret at the baseball game. So what's the difference? Um, and then Margaret's basically is like, you going around saying, and saying stuff when I helped you with your bougie kids company by getting you new logos or whatever the fuck. And we see like a flashback to her, like helping her with that. Um, it gets heated and like what, like Dolores is trying to like, at least like allow Danielle to talk or whatever. Like Dolores is kind of like clapping back at Margaret. Um, and Margaret basically asks her straight up if she thinks she has an arsenal and Danielle essentially shrugs and sh she says that, well, I think, you know, things about people like, which I don't think is wrong. Like, again, they're hot. They're hung up on this word arsenal, which is just like, again, it's like, I understand it's the characterization. Arsenal is implying that she's using these things as weapons and it is an intent and a negativity around it, as opposed to the way that Margaret sees things, is that she just knows things because she's a gossip. Like, it has nothing to do with collecting things with the intention to weaponize them later. She just knows things because people tell her things. It, it, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, and there's, I, there, there, there's a maliciousness that she's like, that's not who I am, and that's not how I want to be characterized. So I get, I get what she means. I mean, I feel like it's getting blown out of proportion, but I also feel like if somebody were to just say that, hey, I feel like the word arsenal, like I, I get it. I do hear things about people and sometimes I do dig things out because it's fun to, you know, just know all the things, but it's not always because I want to use it against somebody. It's not because I'm trying to hurt somebody or tear them down. It's just because I'm a gossip. Sure. 
Yeah, and I, yeah. I think if she were to say that and explain that that's how she feels, maybe then people would understand that that's what she means. Because I do think she wants to give the impression that, like, there's none of that. And I think there there isn't none of it. I think think there's that distinction that you're making, though. I I I think think it's a, these are things that I know, and if you come at me, I will not hesitate to to use them, but that is not why they're there. It's like, I have knives in my kitchen to cook with. I don't have them to stab somebody who attacks me, but if you attack me, I will use the knives I have on hand. Yeah. Like, it's that. So, and then Jennifer is basically saying that basically it feels like there's a pattern at this point. And uh, Danielle uh, basically thinks um, Margaret calling her because she's Margaret calls her a shit talker or whatever. And she says that's basically her deflecting or whatever. Cause Danielle is also basically thinking like, well, in the back of my head, I know what Jennifer told me about this. Right. Well, that's the stuff. And so that I think that's maybe whether intentional or not, it's probably revving Danielle up a little bit to like, sort yep. of like there's might be fire to this, like, you know, vibe. Uh, we didn't talk about, I guess, Laura, the ex-friend, went on a podcast with uh, with Kim D, of all people, which, like, I love, uh, like, I'm not saying it's, like, I'm I'm looking at this objectively and trying to, like, discern things, and I'm not, like, putting doubt that anything could be possible in certain things. I don't think it lends to your validity when you go on a podcast with Kim D. Yeah. It does, it, to me, like, I would rather just go, like, go on an independent, go to the guy who fucking exposed the Robin, uh, yeah. Juan's mistress. He seems credible enough. Like, talk to him. <laughs> like, go on fucking Radio Andy. Yeah. Go on Andy's podcast. Sure. Well, <laughs> go on, go on Watch What Happens Live. Like, if you have information, Andy will talk to you. Yeah. But the thing is, is that when you, Ooh, the word came to my mind, cavort. When you cavort with these nefarious uh, people from Jersey, like Kim D, who has done nothing but try to say and do anything to get and be relevant on this show since season one. It's just not a a good choice. Like, it's not a good, like, thoughtful choice to, like, lend to credibility. I think... And and that's not to say it's... It makes you look thirsty. It makes you look like you want to be on the show. And if you want to be on the show, go talk to Andy. Well, apparently Andy's never seen her tape. <laughs> Remember that? Oh, yeah. With her? Yeah, Melissa, yeah. Um, which, by the way, they're filming the reunion as we speak, apparently. And apparently... So I'm sure it'll get intense and stuff like that. Um, so oh, Dolores is basically like, guys, we got to stop fighting. <laughs> like, we got to get ready to go shopping. Like, Dolores is like, move on. Like, we're done. Dolores is their Pepsi. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> um, they go into the Sprinter van. Um, Margaret, oh, well, Margaret also said that she was trying to get this, like, hot Irish guy to dance with Teresa at one point when they were, when they were going out on their bar crawl or whatever. Um, uh, Melissa then says that Joe, like if that happened, Joe would get jealous and be like, what you do, you dirty whore, like joking. But then they cut straight to Danielle and Teresa who are looking like, jeez. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I, mm, I feel like the mentioning of this on the show at the time that it was mentioned was specific and it was like pointed and it was orchestrated and it just, it feels very much like they're trying to 
make Danielle the person that's the bad guy mm. in all of this by putting all of this in her head and then making her the talking head in confessionals because you notice how Jen doesn't really talk about it in confessionals and Teresa hasn't talked about it in confessionals. Well, Teresa, I understand in the sense that, like, at least at this point, if everything is to what words should be believed, Teresa's taking it to the grave. She's not talking about it, like, in a wider sense. Right. But But the thing is, is that they would at least show the producers asking her the question. Maybe I I feel like we I feel like we could get that at some point. It's gonna. There's I don't a, know. It just it seems very much like this is an orchestrated thing, and how they are trying to use Danielle as the catalyst to expose this. No, I know I get uh, what that. What very yeah. much feels like a lie at this point about Melissa. You make a face. Sorry, so sorry. we don't we don't have proof either way. But no, to me, I, it's it, it's proof, all alleged, right? To me, proof neither way means innocence. Yeah, I I agree with that, and I and and that's my belief. So until I have definitive proof that she's guilty, she's innocent. That's how my brain works. Yeah, maybe it's just like when Joe was vacationing for during Teresa's wedding and girls were taking body shots off of him. I don't Maybe it's that same vibe. I don't know. I don't know what they were like Look, I don't put cheating past Joe. Sure. I don't think Melissa would. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> that sounded obvious. I don't mean it to sound like I think something's gonna happen. Cancel my husband. Sorry. Everyone cancel him. No. <laughs> alleged, alleged, alleged. <laughs> don't sue us, don't sue us, don't sue us. We don't have money, so suing us would be pointless. Basically. Um, and then we get so we also get some more backstory on Jen Fessler, which again, it's I was telling you this. It was like it feels like they filmed Jen Fessler as if she was a full-time housewife. Yeah. And it feels like they were doing the Sutton thing where they like tested her for a season. I didn't even realize that Sutton wasn't a housewife the first season. She was uh, very much supposed to be. And I think something happened where, like, they downgraded her to friend of the first season. But then, like... But, like, why? What? Like, Just pay her. <laughs> like, the minute she fucking told Teddy that she thought she was going to be boring, like, that should have been en- enough knowledge to you to yeah. go with her. Um, but, yeah, Jen uh, talks about, like, that she was separated from Jeff for a period because um, he had cheated at one point after, like, seven years of being together. Um, and but they eventually like came back together. Like so, uh, the whole story though is fascinating because they he cheated, right? Mm-hmm. They separated. Both of them are in separate relationships while they're going through this divorce. Then they start cheating on their boyfriend and girlfriend <laughs> with each other. Yeah, she says she was going to like uh, like. She that she was basically saying that she was going to like mediation or whatever, and then but when she would do, she would meet up with Jeff at Chili's or whatever. She specifically said Chili's, which is like so like it's. Uh, I love her. Of course, it's Chili's. Um, and like yeah, so it's like I and Teresa. Teresa also is like you know I, I sees a lot in Jen Fessler. I've and I've noticed and it's like you know it was all meant to be, and you know you conquered this whole like you know thing in your life. I told you, I was like, I think, to, like, it's so clear who Teresa fucks with and who she doesn't fuck with on the show. Yeah. Like, she, like if she doesn't fuck with Jackie, she doesn't fuck with Melissa, to a certain extent, Margaret. 
like she she's very interested whenever Jen Fessler speaks. Yeah. And like I feel like she could be friends with Jen Fessler and like Yeah. I I think one of the things that I really like about Jen Fessler and Dolores for the most part is that neither of them really get into this tribal mentality. Yeah. Um, because a lot of the people on this show tend to have the people that they don't, like you said, there's people that they fuck with and there's people that they don't fuck with. And the people that they don't fuck with are like, God, why are you breathing like that? That's so annoying. How Mm. could, how dare you do that? And that has to be pointed. Like you have to be purposefully doing that to annoy me. Like, and we all have people like that in our yeah. lives, right? That that we dislike to the point of every little minute thing that they do, we are convinced is meant to irritate you. <laughs> you are convinced that it is meant to be a dig in your direction. Everything, like, this whole cast is that way. Yeah. And it's all towards each other. And I really appreciate that Jen Fessler is not like that. She will call out her friends and she'll be friendly with her enemies in the moment. And is that like, like she's w- not will she's willing to take things, but not use it as a complete indictment on someone's character. Right. And to like be like, take good and bad. Like you were saying, take good and bad from somebody and like s- see the bigger picture. She I recognizes think. the entirety of someone's person. Yeah. And that's, that makes for a good housewife. It makes for a really good housewife at a better show, I think, because it means that, you know, these, you don't get this tribalism that is so exhausting. Instead, you get something that is dynamic. You get arguments that end up with different divisions and different um, people allying to each other than you've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. And that is what is really, really fun to watch. Um, it's something that I like that happens a lot on Survivor. And um, I wish that that sort of thing happened more, especially on Jersey, because this is such a good group of women. And it's big. You could have all these different lines drawn in different directions on different topics. And it'd be extremely dynamic and exciting and new. Yeah. Uh, but we just don't get that because everybody's like, eh, I hate you. Everything you do is awful. Um, Dolores also because the topic of that infidelity comes up, and Dolores also brings up sort of her stuff about how she was nine months pregnant with a three-year-old, also who when right. basically Frank lied to her face about cheating on her, and that he she could essentially smell her on him, like yeah, that's just yeah. woof, yeah, and so and then everyone's sort of like everyone except for Teresa sort of in agreement that infidelities aren't deal breakers. They they say. And Teresa's like, no, like that would have like, and Teresa's even said that like, if I knew for a fact that Joe, Joe Judice was cheating on me, I would have divorced him. Like, yeah. so, um, and then Margaret talks about still staying close with her ex-husband, even though she was the one that cheated, obviously. And I, I got confused cause she was talking about him in the present tense. Cause I do know he passed away, but I think that was, this was filmed before that. This was filmed in the late summer. He passed in, in like August, o- August or October, September, somewhere in there. Yeah. So yeah, and it was like yeah, kind of jarring in that sense. Um, Dolores, uh, basically, uh, and Dolores also said that she told Frank that he she would drop it completely if he had promised to stay faithful, and he wouldn't promise her that. Yeah. And so that's, and I get it. Like, like, well, and it, it speaks a lot to. Um, 
this is more, I, I guess you could say it's the positive side. It could also be viewed as the negative side of that family importance within Italian culture. Because mm. she also talks later about how, like, it was also important for kids. Right. Like, that. And I I think that it's important to keep a family unit together if you can make it work and everybody's going to feel valued and heard and all of that. Um, but I, and I don't think infidelity is a deal breaker in a relationship. I think that it can be a mistake as long as it's not a pattern. And, and as long as there's honesty around it, I, I don't, I think that that is a good idea to have. Mm. It's very different in practice. It's very different in that moment when you're feeling hurt, when you're feeling invalidated, when you're feeling lied to and betrayed to be able to say, no, I'm going to put that aside. We have a family. We have children. We still love each other. This was a one-time mistake. It's never going to happen again. We can fix this. That is such a... Like well, it's a what, mature it, mindset to have. It's what Jennifer and Bill did. Right. Like, so like it can, it's, it's possible, like you said, but like, it's not the, like you said, it's not the easiest. It's but, like, and I, I also do want to say that even if that is the case, if you want to leave that marriage, that is still valid Yeah. because you still have every right to never trust that person again. And you know, it's going to be different in every situation. Even if it's the same marriage and it's a second instance, it's a different situation, you know? So it's never, there's never a one, a one solution fits all. And um, I think judging, especially judging a woman for staying in a situation like that or not staying in a situation like that, whatever is right for her in that moment should be respected. Yeah. Um, and then Teresa starts to sort of tell her story about, well, and she said, she told her story about going to jail and you noted immediately like, oh wait, she said the word jail. Yeah. She normally never calls it jail. She Usually told, it's going away or yeah. I went away or when I was away. Like they love that euphemism. So yeah, that was really interesting. And then she talked about like what we see obviously about the resentments that she built towards Joe after her mom died and like, mm-hmm. the time that she lost, et cetera. Um, but she says that her and that her and Louie love Joe and that they have a good relationship and that they stay close because of the kids and which I think is good. Like I think that's healthy. I think Teresa and Joe weren't in a healthy marriage by any no. stri- I mean, based of everything we've seen. But that doesn't mean that like yeah, like a, like you can have an unhealthy marriage and still be friends at the end of the day yeah. and still or or condone each other even if it's yeah. just that. Like I I don't think there has to be this like anger. Yeah. Um. But then we get into, okay, so then Rachel uh, basically asks a question to Teresa about whether Teresa's kids and Melissa's kids are close. And this is where we, oh get, boy. Into, and this is where we get into it. So then Teresa's like, Teresa basically says, well, they were really close, but, you know, Antonia didn't go to Melania's party. And th- there's... She, she didn't even get to finish what she was saying because the second that she starts, the second that, that Antonia's name comes out of her mouth... Melissa pops up and is like, like, don't bring up her name in a negative light. Like, yeah, it's like she wasn't. She just was stating what happened. I also don't think like, the, like she's Antonia not, didn't come. She's not blaming Antonia. Like, like right. she's blaming you, like which you could be mad about maybe, but like, 
like it's and you were saying like I remember when we were discussing it, you were like, well, Melissa clearly wants to hear like a certain like nuanced take and like that's not Teresa's voice. Like you know yeah. what Teresa like it could sound like it might be abrupt or whatever, but like there's a larger point that Teresa is trying to get to and making and that she's not doing it to just like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, and we know that Teresa doesn't do metaphors. So well, like, <laughs> so it's not like we should be expecting her to speak in metaphors either. Yeah. Like let her finish her statement and let then her drag fi- her. If you need to drag her after the fact, Fine, but let her get everything because she's going to talk in a circle and eventually she's going to get to where she was going. Yeah. Like she always gets there if you just let her go. And I think too many people cut her off assuming what she's going to say and assuming well, what she means by what she says. Particularly Melissa and Joe. Like I think, but that's, I mean, they but that's also been built up that, over time. Right. They've been trained to believe that that's where she's going. And if. We want to believe that Teresa's heading in this other direction, which maybe like we've had evidence in both columns for that. Yeah. Um, but if we want to believe that that um, Teresa is trying to better herself and trying to be a, the best version that she can of herself, then we have to let her get there. We can't just cut her off at the knees the second that she she slips a little bit. She didn't even fall over. She just lost her footing, let her get back, get on her path, let her speak, let her do her thing. She'll get to the point. When you get to the point, then go, that point was fucked up. Let me tell you why. Yeah. But don't, like, cut her off because then you don't actually know what she's trying to say. Right. Because at the end of the day, I don't think she was blaming Antonia. I think she was saying, look, you could have gotten her there if you wanted to. And then Melissa had a good point. Eventually, she said, no, she was all the way in Pennsylvania. We could not have gotten back because they live in North Jersey. That's like an hour and a half, I think, drive from the west side of PA. And then Melissa Melissa basically then says like, well, oh, you know, Gabriella didn't go to Gino's communion. And then Teresa's basically like, well, this isn't tit for tat. Like, and then Teresa in her confessional, like basically says like, you know, I would never like disparage Antonia. I wouldn't call her disrespectful like Joe has called Gia. Which that is, that is a good point. He has called her disrespectful, and I do think that it is um, very uh, patriarchal of him, but that's not new, um, for him to um, insist that the kids always be respectful of the adults, even when the adults are being disrespectful in a certain regard to the kids. Right. And I think that that was Gia's point. Like, if you go back and watch that argument, Gia's point was you're disrespecting my dad in front of me is disrespectful to me. So I need you to stop doing that. Right. And like you were saying, it's like a, it's, it was all based around this concept of like, I'm your uncle. Therefore you can't talk back to me. And it's like, right. She's 20. Like, stop. Like, you're not like, it's ridiculous. Um, and then Teresa basically says like, look, also I'm, she's studying law. Of course she's argumentative. Sure. Also she's Teresa's, she's Teresa's child. Daughter. Of course she's argumentative. Um, and Teresa basically like, look, I want closest. And then Melissa goes, well then maybe you should have included me in the wedding. It would help if I was in your wedding and you showed it to show an example of closest. And this is where I'm like, okay, but you, she literally offered you to be in the wedding and you declined. Yes, but she offered when she was backed in the corner, kind of almost forced to. But 
So that doesn't like the we are together, we are we are family, we are performing as a unit would have been initially inviting her to be in the wedding. Right, but again, this and trying to quote unquote correct it after the fact when it's been pointed out that you've been wrong kind of begrudgingly like oh i guess you can be in the wedding that's fine right, but i don't think but we don't know that that's what it was like to me like in the time i took it as her her conceding something and giving an olive branch and but gen- conceding means i don't want to give you this but i'm giving it to you anyway i don't agree that's I, not family that's not the way that Teresa and or not Teresa, uh melissa and joe would have wanted it to handle be handled and i don't think the way that they think that they would have handled it themselves whether they would have or not is besides the point kind of but the way that they view it is it should have been from day one and that's the insult so just offering it at this point is not the solution. It should have been, I should have asked you from day one, I'm sorry, will you please be in our wedding? I just think, like, Jennifer's brought up the point, too, which I agree with, which is, like, I don't think, like, again, I think Melissa has set a ridiculous standard, inadvertently or not, of everything Teresa does is to save face or because she's backed into a corner or for whatever reason. And for that reason, she can't improve. And, like, you can't then be mad that she didn't offer an olive branch to you when you are taking any olive branch and breaking it. Right. Like, that, like, the, like, because the exact words were, if it would help if I was in your wedding and you showed an example of closeness. It's like, so then she can't, like, you're saying, like, do you, what you're saying there is, you want to make a change, you want to improve things, then you should have done something to improve it. She did. She attempted to. But my my point is is that usually when Teresa concedes something, it's never with an apology and an admittance of doing wrong in the beginning. It's no, of usu- course not. It's usually a, well, fine, we'll just do it this way. As opposed to, I was wrong. I should have done it this way. I'm sorry I hurt you. This is what... And yes, I get that that's not how Teresa... And and I feel like I see both sides of this because you can't expect that from Teresa because that's not how Teresa communicates. But also that's literally a baseline of just respectful communication. So it should not be out of the realm of what we expect from other people. Like we should be able to expect a genuine apology and admittance of wrongdoing and a moving forward. Like, but we are putting Teresa on this platform like she is not going to be held to that standard because that's just not how she communicates yeah um so they they get out and they go shopping um melissa basically is like the the fight's not on me essentially jackie in her confessional then goes look all i said was gia's name and she went apeshit on me that's not really as much as i defend you jackie on that about the met that you were using a metaphor you didn't simply just say gia's name you said that you saw gia doing coke in the bathroom as a metaphor yes but you said more than simply her name. Like, yeah. it just, you didn't just say Gia's name and she called you a see you next Tuesday four times. Like, that's not what happened. Um, oh, and then there was this moment where Teresa's, like, they're going shopping and Teresa spots, like, a pineapple, some kind of, like, pineapple trinket. And she asked the store clerk, like, how much is 80 euros in English? Jeez. <laughs> um, so they're all talking. Um, uh, Jen- well, Jennifer also says that she's basically relieved that someone now knows how dangerous Margaret can be and that um, 
she's not going to let the uh, Teresa know that she told Danielle essentially. Um, Melissa um, is talking to Margaret at one point. Melissa basically says that like, you know, yes, Rachel asked the question, but like the way I would have answered it by, it was just by saying like, you know, they love each other. It's like, okay, but if there's issues, like don't like Teresa's defense later is like, like if you're going to ask me a question, I'm going to give you the honest answer. Yeah. And I agree. Like, do you want like, do you want to present an image or do you want to actually like talk about what's happening? That's that's my thing. Yeah. Um, you know, Melissa brings up that she had that conversation with Antonia in the car, um, about you know not letting the stuff get to them as as uh, uh, cousins, and that Teresa, uh, you know, she she jo- jokes at one point like, well, Teresa's eventually going to go. Oh, little Joey looked at me the wrong way. It's like uh, okay. It just feels like everything's getting amped up. Um, so, and, and then Jennifer's t- talking to Danielle and is basically saying that there's a lot of resentment and anger built up and that Teresa, you know, would die. She, this is where she's also bring, with the whole rumor. Teresa would basically, she's like, Teresa would die to say, I know what you are, but she can't because she's always protecting them and protecting the family dynamic. So that's, Jennifer's basically saying, Teresa wants to preserve something. She doesn't want it to completely self-destruct. So she's hiding her true feelings about Melissa and she's trying to like. Well, and considering that that is an argument that Teresa herself has made now makes it seem like Teresa's in on this thing. Like they're trying to set up this narrative and Teresa's in on it. And this is why it's so frustrating like all we're getting is the narrative. We're not getting what actually happened. So I, I just, it's hard to judge from out here what's actually happening and what's the truth of all of this, because all we get is bullshit. Sure. Um, Melissa basically says she wants to tell her, like she brings up the whole, like her cutting off Kathy and Rosie, a couple, however many seasons ago, mm-hmm. basically like cutting the cancer out. And Melissa basically says, like, she's at the point where I basically want to tell the same thing to her. Okay. Um, the girls then, I honestly, like, I'm just kind of like, then do it. Like, I like, like, yeah. I'm just over it. Like, you guys don't like each other. There's like, you shouldn't be in a relationship. I've said answer. many times before, the only way they're going to move forward is everybody just forgets everything that happened in the past. We start brand new today with blanket apologies and we move forward. Yeah. There, nobody's going to be willing to do that. Or you don't move forward and but, that's okay. Right. Like, well, and that's my second point is that nobody's willing to do that. So the only other option is you cut ties, walk opposite directions and never see each other again. Yeah. You know, I mean, those are your options. Pick one. Yeah. Um, the girls then, uh, sit down to get lunch, uh, after their shopping. Um, they're, what was, Melissa brings up goblins at one, like something about goblins in Ireland. And I think she means like leprechauns. Like I've, there was, and Margaret was like, Teresa and Melissa, they're not as different as you think. Like in terms of like, <laughs> basically that Melissa is a bit of a ditz as well. Um, they talk about, so the, the topic of what, uh, uh, that Paul's basically discussing marriage, po- the possibility of marriage mm-hmm. with Dolores. And Dolores, you can tell Dolores just like lights up about it. And she's really excited that like finally she has someone that will like commit to her. Finally, it's happening. <laughs> we don't have the rights for that song. Um, and, and Dolores basically says that she officially moved in with Paul um, fully. Um, Which means she lives in New York. She's no longer New Jersey housewife. Yeah. But, well, 
Yeah, but like I'm I'm kidding. No, yeah. Um uh, space is irrelevant. <laughs> um they talk about also like the ship names of everyone. Like so there would be Paulorus and then there's Lurisa and Billifer. I don't Billifer's, know if I like any of those. Billifer's the closest to acceptable. What's the what was the um Benefer was the clo- like it's similar. Yeah, I didn't like that one either. Jill would be better than Billifer. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, the t- I forgot who someone tries to like bring up, like ask Melissa if she's okay after the van fight. She's basically like, I'm not bringing it up at the table, as and is essentially like I have nothing to prove in this uh thing or whatever. They get back to the castle, um, and then Melissa then calls Joe, and then like tells her tells what happened. Um, Joe basically says that Teresa's a hypocrite and she doesn't know what she's talking about. Um, and then Melissa's basically like, well, my, after all this, it's like, my soul is saying that we shouldn't go to the wedding. And then Joe goes, you know, you know what Teresa's goal in the end of this is to push us to not go to the wedding. So then that we look bad. I, and we, Teresa's not that smart. We talked about it. I think that, um, I think that saying She's trying to push us to not go to the wedding is not outside the realm of the possibility. I don't think, that, but yeah. I don't think that she's doing it in order to make you look bad. I think she's doing it because she doesn't want you at her wedding. It's not 3D chess. Yeah, like, I she doesn't like you guys. <laughs> like she doesn't yeah. really want you in the wedding. Like, I mean, as much as it was inappropriate to say, Jennifer was right. They were invited because of obligation. Yeah, fully, and like, you know. I I don't know. Like I have a a decent enough relationship with all my family. Well, no, no, not all of them. I have some distant. <laughs> I have some distant uncles and yeah, yeah. Um, but like I don't know. Like obviously we've never faced anything like severe to like cause a, fr- a friction, like in the stuff that they're facing. But like I maybe it's the millennial in me. But I'm like, if you have to- if you feel you're in toxic areas and you're in toxic spaces. It's full in your right to get out of them. Yeah. I, I, will, I will pull out them pruning shears and we will start clipping that family tree. Do not tempt me because I've done it before and I will do it again. But that's where it's like the, I've talked about it too with you. It's like the fluctuation I feel with Joe and Melissa that it's kind of like we're done, but we're not. Yeah. And, and I, do, I don't blame viewers for seeing that and thinking that the fluctuation is coming from a fact of like, well, God, if we end this, like, are we going to end up like Kathy and Rosie and not be on television anymore? Well, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily that, but I do think that it's a we're done, but we're on this show together, so we're kind of forced to not be done, but we're done. Sure. But but that's the thing. We've talked about it. Like, the way that Housewives is structured, one of them's got to go. Yeah. There's no way to, like... I also hate that nobody can mention that. Yeah. It's like, in in a... Post Bravo, Bravo, fucking Bravo world, right? Where we've had that call out of the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Like, who gives a shit? Just say it. Just and with in a world where Ultimate Girls Trip exists and the fourth wall does not exist, like we acknowledge that. Um, just call it out. Be like, look, we're on this show together, so like I have to see her, but I don't want to be anywhere around her. I don't really care. I'm on this cash trip because I'm contractually obligated to go. Yeah. Yeah. Call it out. Um, the ladies then go out to dinner. And this is where I was talking before. Like, 
They go to an Asian tapas place. This, I'm just like, I feel for the most part, if you're going on an international vacation, I would want to eat the food of the area. Like, I, like, I can get Asian tapas fucking anywhere. Yeah. Like, like, why would I eat? Like, why go to Ireland for it? Like, to be fair, white people are not known for their extremely great food. Irish food, if you can find, like, Irish food and British food, I've said, get a really fucking bad rap sometimes. I, and I, and I, I say this as a white man. <laughs> I, I will that. say that that is possibly true for Irish food, but not necessarily for British food. They spent all that time stealing spices from all over the world, yeah. and they ain't learned to use a damn one. That's true. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Um, I'm just saying. And speaking of, like, cultural issues, so Jen, Jen Fessler has a... Jen Fessler's trying to order a banh mi, but she keeps calling it a Bahami. I, love <laughs> I her. think she was already tipsy at this point. Well, so, and, like, well, I and get she's it. also feeling herself because she's got like full cleavage out, and she's like talking about like this is new for her to have like full like. And to, this is where I was like Teresa and her are getting like Teresa's like taking photos of her to like send to like send these to Jeff or whatever. Teresa isn't that warm to any like yeah. just anyone. She's the fact that she sees something in Jen Fessler. Well, I think is I, big. Maybe this is just me being cynical. I think she knows how she's going to read to the audiences. Maybe that too. And she's like, I know that the audience is not necessarily, there are super, super fans that are for me, but most people are not. And if I'm going to get regain some fans, I need to align myself with someone like Jen Fessler. Jen Fessler. It would be absolutely crazy if Jen Fessler is not full-time next season. Like, Teresa's been on this show for 13 years. Yeah. Like, she knows what's up. She knows how to play the audiences. She may act dumb and may be dumb in a lot of respects. I don't know. Don't know her personally. But she comes across that way on the screen. But she's not that dumb. She I can't feel, be that dumb. I think she's... Um, She's dumb enough to like wear Balenciaga and like the height of that fucking controversy. Yeah, but, but unless, like unless you're tuned in to the people who were yelling about that she stuff, has a you bubble. don't know. She has a bubble, but she I think the point you're making is like she has a bubble, but she's understanding within the bubble. Everything outside of the bubble is like she's a fucking debts. Maybe. Sure. We'll go with that. Anyway. <laughs> um, and then, the because the, Jen Fessler is bringing up her boobs, and Danielle said that she used to have tubular boobs growing up. And then they, she said they look like an eyeball popping out of its socket. Oh, God. It's like, I don't need that much detail. Um, and then Melissa and Jennifer, again, are, like, bonding. Like, Melissa, or Jennifer's, like, ordering wine or something like that. And, she's, and Melissa just, like, you know, jon- jonesing with her and just being like, oh, you like wine, bitch, don't you? Like, it's like, what the fuck? Like, the fact that they're being friendly just seems weird to me. Yeah, like, it's just, it's not, yeah, it's weird. Mm. Um, uh, they're talking about, like, you know, their amenities or whatever in the castle, and Danielle basically offers Rachel, like, oh, if you don't have a bathroom, you can just use mine or whatever. And Rachel says, I don't know if I should accept it because, you know, since you call me a rat and everything. And then they fight again, and it's the same fucking fight. It's literally yeah. the same fight. But it's because nobody actually explains their side of anything and explains why they're upset in a rational, calm well, voice. Everybody just screams it. at each other. Or, like, well, I think Danielle says how she feels, and then Rachel's just like, no. And then the, and then Rachel says what happened, and Danielle's like, "No," and it's like, "Yeah, that's fair." You, can, it's like, "Yes, and guys." Also, like, like, like do a little improv. Also, Jennifer and Melissa being nice is again more 
tangential evidence that this whole thing is orchestrated to make Danielle the bad guy and this stuff coming out. Sure. Because it, if Teresa's been protecting them all this time by not saying anything, and Jen is a really good friend now, Danielle becomes the target. She becomes the bad guy. She becomes the villain. Yeah. Not the people who actually did this shit. No, I, I yeah. I'm I, just saying that's what it looks like to me. To oh, me. I mentioned like Danielle basically like cuts Rachel off and says her wrong, that she's wrong, but she says like, you're wrong. Or she says something <laughs> where it's like you you were like, is this fucking Tony the Tiger? What the fuck are you doing? Oh, yeah. She, yeah, it sounded like you're great, but it was you're wrong. And I yeah. was like, what are you doing? And <laughs> now they're scream- are you an umpire? What's going on? They're screaming and like the patrons are looking at them. And so it's like, you know, getting awkward. Um, Margaret, because Margaret's also getting involved in it too. Because uh, it, it's all, it, it's like, it's also the same formula. It's always Danielle and then Rachel and then Margaret comes in and then Jennifer comes in. It's uh-huh. all, it's all, you know. Um, and then Jennifer basically tells Margaret that not everyone in the world is going to think you're sane at the end of the day. Um, and Margaret's like, I don't think, I don't want, expect everyone to think I'm a saint, but you're not, you make me out to be something that I'm not. And Jennifer's like, vice versa. You said that I'm a drug addict. Um, etc. And then Margaret, I, this is where I was like, okay, at least this. Margaret apologizes immediately. It's like, yeah, that was wrong of me. I shouldn't have called you a drug addict. Like, you know, I, I can apologize for that. See, this is why I can be team Margaret because she admits when she steps in it. Sure. It's and like, she, she's like, yeah, I fucked up. Yeah, I did this. I absolutely did. And Either I stand by it or I was wrong, but either way, I'm not going to act like I didn't do it. I'm not going to gaslight you. Yeah. Like, I, I got to respect the bitch. Yeah. Well, it's like at least someone conceded. It, it was just yeah. like, oh, my God, someone made headway. Like, Jesus Christ, thank God. But And Jennifer is still like, you're always on me. I'm like, oh, aren't you duplicitous? Or she goes on about, and, you know, I, I forgot. What, what, but she ends it by calling Margaret a booger wolf. Which, and the entire world pulled out their dictionary. But she nailed. I mean, she nailed the definition of what she was trying to say. I think she looked up that word. Beforehand. Oh, one thousand percent. <laughs> she well, was like, "What SAT word can I pull out in this?" I'm gonna prove I'm smart. <laughs> and Rachel makes a good point of just being like, "Normally, if you want something to land, it should be something that everyone knows." Like, yeah, like, yeah. And Melissa literally reads the definition at the table. Um, yeah. And then it literally ends with Jen Fessler unbuttoning her top and going, guys, that was so fun. And like, that's the end of the episode. <laughs> um, so that was Jersey. I thought it was okay. I, but there, there's still some issues. Like there, yeah. there's structural issues that need to be addressed. Hopefully after this reunion, like, you know, s- switch things up. A lot of it will be solved by just making Jen Fessler a full-time housewife. Yeah. Um, I, I think nine is too many people. Yeah. Too many voices. I mean, like cut a little bit of the fat, even though fat does make the meat taste better. You don't need that much fat. Just, mm-hmm. just trim a little, uh, just a little bit off. Yeah. 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 Um, so that was Jersey for the week. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, oh boy, we are getting into Vanderpump rules for this week. Do not go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. 
but it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay in His MB. Let's head on over to Hollywood. Vanderpump Rules, you mentioned it earlier that this is where, again, like, if they didn't post-edit this, like, this is where where stuff starts emerging that, like... And I think this is what um, Schwartz was alluding to when he was talking about them starting to get, quote-unquote, brazen and them starting to, to flaunt their affair. Yeah. Even though nobody knew about it, this is where they start making all of the obvious choices yeah and and yeah so so let's get in we start with like going sort of around to uh different places sheena and brock are writing thank you cards uh for their wedding um we go over to james and Allie's, (laughs) and uh, the topic comes up about whether raquel and schwartz are actually going to be an item or something like that and Allie says essentially like i love schwartz but he's 40 years old and he wears pjs out so i don't see it Can we talk about how these rotating quick mini scenes are great for watching it, but awful for reviewing? Yeah. It is very difficult to figure out how we should structure these little, like, quick little vignette things um, when we're when we're bringing this to you guys. Uh, I just wanted to call that out. Bravo. Well, it it, it like, sucks for note taking because I'm always, I, I write, like, for example, I'm like, Charlie's taking photos of Raquel in the park, and I don't know if it's going to lead to anything. Yeah. But it's like, and then I'm like, oh, well, I have that in my notes. That was important to put down. Yeah. Um, but then, so then we go to Schwartz's apartment, and Katie comes over because they're doing a dog exchange again, like we saw it earlier in the season. Um and like the, the she gets the dogs together, like gets their leash and stuff like that. She's just like, yeah, you got their leash, et cetera. Yeah. And Schwartz is like, man, I'm just so stressed, you know, with everything with the bar. Like th- there have been like multiple like fires or whatever I've had to put out. And Katie just goes, that sounds awful. Well, see ya. And walks out. It's so good. Such a great power move. <laughs> I was, I was so fucking proud of Katie this whole episode. Oh, so good. This was Katie's episode. Like, 
we'll get to it later. There's a moment where I was like, I wanted to give her a standing fucking ovation later. But like, this was such a good, and you could tell Tom like was like annoyed immediately. And Katie's just like, look, it's great. And it's like, it's great to know that now, like this isn't my mess. Like, yeah. What happens with Schwartz and like has nothing to do with me. Like, so I don't have to deal with that. Um, and then Schwartz then calls Tom. And so Schwartz calls Tom as Tom is recording a confessional for the show. Um, and I noted, like, someone on Twitter pointed this out, which I thought isn't a, unf- like, I think is an interesting theory. He calls Tom as he's in this confessional. And Schwartz basically goes, hey, I texted you about, like, a, the carpet thing or whatever. I put it in the closet, something. And then he immediately starts talking about Katie. Something about fabric. Yeah, and it felt someone someone on Twitter was like, didn't that feel? It felt like a code statement. It felt like him warning Sandoval, "Hey, they're filming me right now. The cameras are on me, so be careful about what you're saying." I would agree with you if Schwartz was that smart. <clears throat> I don't know that he's that smart. I mean, yeah, it was. It would have been well executed, and that's not in Schwartz's playbook, as we see yeah. later. Um, and Schwartz is like, you know, yeah, she was so cold to me, or whatever. Look, I did nothing wrong, and and uh, Sandoval's like, yeah, I don't think you did anything wrong either. I mean, we were just all having fun in Mexico. Schwartz is like, yeah, we were living La Vida Loca. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh god. I would like to go back and figure out what confessional it was he was filming. At that point, because it obviously wasn't the current confessional, right? It was the confessionals from, like, I guess mid-season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually they film, like, yeah, they film, like, once or twice during the season, and then they film after filming. Yeah. Like, so... They probably did confessionals for before Mexico, all right before they went to Mexico. Yeah, and And then did confessionals right when they came back for Mexico. And then they'll do another one at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, and then and I love that Schwartz's confessional goes, he starts by going, look, maybe I'm way off on this. But and, I, and I'm like, stop you right there. You are off on this. Uh, way off. <laughs> You're way off. You are the, the what you did was fucking wrong. And she, he's just like, I mean, she's more upset than when I actually did cheat on her. So what is the Do you want a prize? Like, I, I don't understand what you're saying. Like. It's not, a, it's not a confusing puzzle. You guys made a deal. You agreed that you wouldn't sleep or get close or get into a romantic entwang, ent- entangling with anyone in the friend group. And then not only did you do that, you flaunted it in front of her face. Yeah. And also, I, I would say, I don't think she's more upset. No, I, I I think she is just as upset, but she is no longer feeling like she has to hide it and feel like she has to baby you and feel like she has to tiptoe around your feelings because somehow your feelings are important when you're the bad guy. Yeah. Um, at this point, she's just letting you have all of it raw and unfiltered. Um, and that just means that she's fucking done and she's cut the ties and the only ties she has to you anymore are this show and these dogs. That's about it. Yeah. And then Schwartz is like, you know, if, if you and Katie Sandoval, if you and Katie had got married tomorrow, I would be so supportive. Like, that's the kind of guy I am. And Sandoval's like, makes a joke of like, 
well, I hate to break it to you. And then they start laughing. And I'm like, this isn't funny. This is evil, actually. This pissed me off. Yeah. I was like, in the midst of everything that you know at this point, you know, Schwartz, you know at this point about the affair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, to go along with this joke and let this joke happen and act like it's fucking funny when you know what he's doing to Ariana, fuck you. Yeah. Like, there is no room for allowing for like grace when it comes to Schwartz. He's in on this at this point. He is actively covering shit up at this point. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> How many times like this episode, I was just like, fuck you. Um, uh, so we go to Charlie and Raquel, as I mentioned, they were at the park and Charlie is like, so Katie took me out to brunch and she told me about what happened in Mexico. And honestly, I'm kind of disappointed in you. Like straight up, like tells Raquel, I think what you did was totally fucking wrong. And like, I, I really like Charlie. I, do I think Charlie is a good head on her shoulders. I'm mad that reportedly she wasn't at the reunion. Like, she, like, I think Charlie has so much fucking potential on this show. Yeah. That like, she, yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan. And she basically is like, you know, you know, that was their 12 year, or, you know, relationship anniversary. I think she said wedding anniversary, but it's not wedding. Relation, you know, 12 yeah. year anniversary. And Raquel's like, well, I didn't need to know that. And well, I don't know the, their anniversary. I don't keep up with that. And also Katie chose to go on this trip. No, she didn't. You know, she was contractually sure. obligated. Stop trying to stop sure, but with why this is narrative. That, but why is that an excuse? Why? Like, why is that an excuse? If she, so on a vacation trip, like, all of the boundaries that she said and all the things that she has said of how it would make her feel uncomfortable and, and, and feel terrible, that goes out the fucking window? Well, the argument is that, well, you can't be mad that this was in front of you when you chose to be in this space. Yeah. We shouldn't have to limit what we do because you decided to be somewhere you weren't invited. Well, we, we go, we, there's a moment later, too, where Raquel clearly has a viewpoint in her head of, like, what is considered normal and what's considered like acceptable in terms of this kind of debauchery to put it in a better word. She says something later where I'm like, this speaks to your character. Uh huh. Um, and she, you know, Charlie says like, I wouldn't do that to my worst enemy. There's still a 12 year relationship that you have to respect. I was just like, Raquel's better than that. Uh, and Raquel's like, well, if it makes you feel any better, you know, we're not going to be dating or anything, you know, to me, that's worse. And I know I said this to you um, when we were watching it, but to me, that's worse. Like, if, you, if there was a relationship there and there was actual love and emotion and, or at least the beginning of those what, things. Like what like we're, we're meant to believe is happening between her and Sandoval? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. If, like, at least I would be able to say something to the effect of, while I do think that just like doing this right in front of Katie is disrespectful. I also understand that you can't really help who you fall in love with. Right. And that if there is something real there, then you two need to go to Katie and say, look, I know that this was something that you said you were uncomfortable with, but there's a connection here that we can't deny. And we just, we don't want your feelings to be hurt. If there were considerations, yeah. I think if there was any thought for Katie's feelings, then she would be fine. 
I think if there was any consideration, because here's the thing, Schwartz has never cared about what Katie thought or felt about something outside of the realm of whether he was going to get in trouble. Yep. 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 And if, if he had stopped for one moment to say, you know, this is going to hurt Katie. Maybe we should go talk to her about that's, this before we pursue it. That's literally all Katie wanted. Uh, really. That's all she wanted in a husband. Like they would still be married if he thought that way, but he doesn't. And so they're not. Yeah. So like, it just, it's frustrating. It's like, it, it's just even more like, yeah, just the fact that it was just a fling and you were meaning to rub it in her face and you were doing it so blatantly makes it so much worse. That means that there was actual intention to harm her in this and it was there was no emotion involved other than petty hey, bullshit. Yeah. Um and she's like, "Well, you know, and I thought there could be something with sorts, but after the sort of like coldness or whatever, you know, I'm not going to be like Debbie Desperado over here and try to pursue it, which, oh my. Every, what? Uh, Lala has called her out on a point of just like everything she says is fucking rehearsed and thought through and like nothing seems natural when she talks. Sorry. I'm just at saying. All. Um, and then Raquel is talking about how she's going to go on a date with Oliver because he's coming into town. <laughs> her and Schwartz are on opposite ends of media training. She's had way too much training mm-hmm. and rehearsing things, and he has had none. Very that. Honestly, honestly, that's really true. He doesn't have a thought that goes through his head that doesn't come out of his mouth, and she doesn't let anything out of her mouth without rehearsing it 20 times. Yeah. Um, so we go to Schwartz and Sandy. This whole scene, this was the scene I almost I was the most pissed about, and that's, that's shocking. Um, so the, we go to Schwartz and Sandy's, and they're about to meet with Brett. And Schwartz is going through his phone. It's also like, oh, look, I posted photos from the wedding. And, like, people were commenting, like, oh, did you hit that? Like, referring to Raquel, because the news had already gotten out about, <sighs> about you know, Katie and, and all that stuff. Um, and then Schwartz is just like, you know, I'm excited for this meeting. Like, I feel like ever since Mexico, like, I found, like, a newfound sense of, like, optimism and, like, determination. Yeah, because he realized he wasn't going to be the bad guy of the season. Sure. And so, and they're basically like, well, we know that we can't open on the 31st, even though we spoke it. Schwartz is like, we were going to open on the 31st. We spoke it into existence. It was just so frustrating because he literally calls Sandoval out later for only speaking things and not doing anything. Literally, And it's like, but what did you do to well, make that happen? Well, then, well, that's the thing. So Brett then shows up and he's like, Schwartz is just like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad we're back in things. You know, the trip was so restorative. You know, I was in like darkness. My light was dim. It's like, these are just fucking buzzwords. You're not saying anything. Yeah. Like, this, and this is where I'm, I'm on the side more of Greg and Brett. This is where I'm like, they're just speaking in these like buzzword terminology. And Brett's like, guys, we don't have kitchen staff. <laughs> like, guys, what the fuck are we doing? Now, to be fair... The reason they don't have kitchen staff is because Greg and Brett fired them. Well, no, no, wait, 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 hold on. So I watched it back. Well, the- they fired the kitchen manager, the head chef, and then the staff walked out with him. Yeah, so. Which to me means that the way you handled his firing was fucked up because the staff should not have been walking but, unless you were some unless you did something that they couldn't stand behind. But no 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 no, I'm confused. So first Brett brings up that I guess they're making new cuz I guess they're still making booths or whatever. It's it's that 
Remember when they yeah, first they were, did the walkthrough yeah. of the space? There was like a loft booth that you uh, had to climb a ladder to get to. God. And, and but they're like the guy, the basically like, like the guy quit, and then like everything like fell apart, and then he just quit. And then Sandoval's like, "Well, did you like offer to like throw more money at him or whatever?" And Brett's like, "Absolutely fucking not." Like that's so, <laughs> that speaks to Sandoval's thinking so much of just like, "We'll just give him more money." Oh, because it's not <laughs> He's his money. Such an entitled prick. It's not his money. It's his mother's money. That's why. Um, but that's a, but my point of what I was gonna say. Sandoval then says. So what do we actually need besides kitchen staff? This is before Brett even brings up firing the kitchen manager. They don't have kitchen staff. They know going into this meeting they don't have kitchen staff. But Brett says that the, the staff walked out with him. No, that's not what he says. That's what Sandoval says later to Lisa. Oh, I missed that. So I thought I, 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 in I just, my brain I, I was just watched it, it back today. He's saying a completely different thing after the fact. Okay. That's why I don't fuck with Sandoval, particularly in this case. I think Sandoval is full of bullshit. Oh, you mean he twists facts to work in his favor? I, I am fully... He's never done that before. I'm fully shocked. Yeah, I'm fully on Brett's. At the, if maybe not Greg's. I, we've talked about Greg. I'm fully on Brett's side. Brett's yeah. like... And Brett's like, I then tells him, like, I had to let the while you guys were doing your while you guys were taking shots and doing all your fucking bullshit in Mexico, I had to let the kitchen manager go because, you know, we brought him in to get finesse these dishes. And it just isn't like, like, it wasn't delivering on product. And to me, like, like, Sandoval keeps trying to make this point of like, well, he's just demanding perfection. It's like, I think Brett's, Brett's, I don't know, Brett. Brett seems like a smart enough guy where it's like, if there's not a little bit more salt in this, he's not firing the kitchen manager. Sure. But I will say that that is the way that it is being presented to us. The, I, I won't say that that's the way that Brett presented it, but the edit that we get. Yeah. Brett says he wasn't able to make the changes to the dishes that we wanted from the tasting. Well, because I and he wasn't able to get them to where we wanted them. And if that was the only issue, if that as we were presented, then I do feel like that that's demanding perfection and that's kind of bullshit. Well, my question is, it also felt in the sense of like, because I also know with certain the limited I know with certain restaurants, there's one thing to make a good dish. It's another thing when you're putting it on a restaurant menu and you're having to recreate it multiple, like do it yeah. over and over again. You have to sort of like lay out a step-by-step -step process that right. when you can teach to the kitchen staff to recreate it so it looks the same every single time. Right. And I, th to me, that's, he didn't specifically say this, so I understand, but like that's what it sounded like. That 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 he that that was the element that was impeding it. Anyways, it's, it sounded to me more like it was, you know, maybe this could have like, maybe this could be a little different. Maybe you could tweak something here. Maybe you could put a little. Maybe I don't like this garnish on it. And the chef was like, "No, that's not what I want for this dish. That's not what I envisioned for this dish. I'm the chef. Like I have to put my name on these." And then there was just an impasse, and they said, "Okay, well, fine, we're firing you." Sure. Which I think is bullshit. A chef has to be treated like an artist. So he was a, and so, yeah. So Sandoval then flips out and does his big, like, sort of, I'm yelling shtick. Uh, and then even in his confessional, he's like, you know, I'm right. I have everything riding on this. I could lose my house. I can lose my mom's retirement. We are a million dollars into this. And Brett and Greg, they can pick up and leave and go to another job any minute. It's like, okay, 
Then the, how about you fucking act like it? How about you stop spending the extra money on your band for right now and focus on the restaurant? Don't shit on Brett and Greg for like doing the work that clearly you're not doing and then being mad that they have no stake in it. And like, I understand you had to go on this Mexico trip. I get it. You're in the wedding and it was a cast thing. I understand. But I don't think anybody would have been mad at you for that if you had been putting in the work and the sweat equity beforehand. Guess what? If to you make were, this work. If you were filming scenes, actually getting Schwartz and Sandy's together, they probably would have let you stayed. Production, at least. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, you know, just because we don't have fresh fucking, you know, fried raviolis or whatever. And Brett gets pissed at this point. He's like, I'm not worried about the fucking ravioli. I'm worried about a guy that can't make anything. And it was giving me very like, it's not about the pasta. <laughs> <laughs> Literally not about the Literally pasta. Literally not about pasta. And Brett's like, it's not my fault. And basically tells them to like shape up. And he's like, then you guys fucking come in and work with them and do it. Yeah. Like, you could tell Brett's like, you're not fucking contributing. And then you're blaming me for, like... Well, and the thing is, is that he is directing this all at Sandoval. Yeah. And we, like, we get into it later when the Toms go visit Vanderpump. Right. And talk about this. Is that Schwartz very much feels the same way. Yeah. And Schwartz feels like he's been there and he's been doing all of this work. And San the one dropping the ball continually is Sandoval. Yeah. And Sandoval says, like... Look, as long as we're a B plus, it's okay. You know, performers that perform live are stoked if they're a B plus. Nobody ever performs at an A plus. Uh, I don't. I don't know I don't about you, you. I don't think you perform at an A plus, Sandoval. Uh, I don't even think he performs at a B plus. I've seen videos of his performances. It's fine, um, but I I know for me. I have had many performances that feel like the best I've ever performed something. Yeah. So like, mm, maybe don't accept mediocrity for yourself. Also, what does this say to like the audience that you're projecting this to on this television show? We're a B plus. Come to Schwartz and Sandy's. Come to Schwartz and Sandy's. The food's fine. Uh, And then Schwartz is like, guys, you know, we got to, you know, just calm down or whatever. Look, we're closer than we think. And I literally was like, you don't have kitchen staff. What do you mean you're closer than you think? Anyways. And then Schwartz just then goes like, what happened to this? And then like puts his hands in. Come on, guys. Come on. And then Brett and them start smiling and being like, yeah, should we go take a shot? Let's go take a shot. And it's just like this this, speaks to them. Like, this is why I hate the men on this show. But also Ariana and Katie could never do this. Yeah. But also Brett clearly has like this maniacal look in his eye. Like he's literally on his last thread, not even his last rope, not the end of his rope. It's the last thread of sanity. Like there's a, a, a a tick of crazy behind his eyes Mm -hmm. and I'm waiting for him to lose his shit and it's going to be beautiful. So we go, uh, Katie then goes over to Ariana and Tom's house because they're uh, Ariana and her are like, I guess like taste testing sandwiches or whatever, Uh like doing stuff. And we know that the lease is now signed for the place and that they bought out the kitchen fully from the the previous owners. And Sandoval has this confessional where he's like talking about how envious he is of like, but he also, this is where it pisses me off now. Like everything he does pisses me off now, even if it's innocuous. But he like he undercuts them in the confessional. He's like, you know, it's it's probably nicer for them. You know, it's small, it's contained, it's easy. It like it felt very like, 
oh, you, you're just doing your little sandwich shop. I have the real business. Yeah. Like, it, that, ju- uh, that was just me. And no, then, it, was, it was clearly a dig. Yeah. And then Katie basically tells them about what happened at the dog exchange with, San- with Schwartz. And um, Sandoval's just like, so you're not going to be really friends with Schwartz now after the kiss? And Katie's like, yeah. Yeah. And Sandoval's like, I don't think the makeout was that big of a deal. Well, I'm sure you don't since you're having an affair. This is the most mansplaining bullshit. I'm like, like, I, I, like, and then like Katie's like, look, we've had this, me and Schwartz had this conversation like 900 times about like our, what we wanted when in terms of the breakup and Sandoval's just like, well, people change their mind. Then he could have come to her and said, I am no longer okay with the terms of our deal. Yeah. And like Kate, Katie is like, Katie calls Raquel a whore. And Tom's like, she's not a whore. And Ariana goes, she's not a whore. She's not being paid to do anything. And Katie's like, well, she should be. I thought that was great. Beyond that, like Ariana like, says that like, Katie don't call her a whore. But Ariana defends Katie, I would say, throughout this conversation. But I, here's the thing. I think that Ariana only was like, well, technically she's not a whore because she's not getting paid. Not don't call her out for this bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't call her names. It's, it's not that it's wrong. It's just, or it's right. It's that whore is not the accurate word. Yeah. Um, and then slut, K- skank, bitch, <laughs> all these other things. There, there's a laundry as, list. Mistresses we'll get to later. There's a laundry list of things you could call her. She's not being paid. So whore is not accurate. Yeah. And then Katie talks about like kind of talking to herself almost and being like, I mean, I, you know, I know that Schwartz has like this habit of, you know, sticking his tongue down where it doesn't belong during our relationship. So, I mean, I guess it shouldn't be shocking. And Sandoval says, yeah, it shouldn't be shocking. Don't say it like that, Sandoval. Like, that doesn't mean that it's okay. Yeah. And Tom's just like, I don't get what the issue. And Ariana's like, Tom, they made a deal. <laughs> like, you know, and Katie's like, I've been respectful in terms of all the dynamics in terms of the friend group. And Sandoval's like, I think you've been respectful for the most part. And Katie's like, most part? Like, he keeps making these digs that piss me off so much. Like, it, it's, he gets it, he gets it coming back from Katie later. But, and then Sandoval's like, well, you know, Joe was like crying, calling me and texting me being like, Katie's so mean to me or whatever. And then, so we then find out, so, and even Ariana, like, reiterates that, like, I think the only issue was that they became roommates and, like, didn't tell anybody about it and, like, were almost being oddly secretive about it. And so then we get more information about Joe. And Katie's like, so Joe was Kristen Doty's crazy girlfriend. And if you know Kristen Doty, like, (laughs) if you're her crazy friend... That says something. Kristen Doty's already the crazy friend. If you're the crazy friend's crazy friend, you are like a magnitude more crazy. And the fact that she was living with Schwartz and did not make a peep when they were in there filming. Well, also the flashback to, and like they show a flashback where Joe leaves to like take her dogs for a walk or whatever. And Schwartz and Joe go, Schwartz says, love you, see you later. And Joe goes, love ya. That's weird. I don't think that's that weird. To a, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't think it's weird to tell your friends you love them. Tell people you love that you love them. It doesn't matter if you're romantically involved or not. It felt, it, the tone of it felt more like they it were It felt casual to yeah. me. It didn't 
like I don't see why casual means relationship, and but that's just me. And Katie's like, well, Joe texted me after immediately after the divorce and was like, you know, I will always love and respect you, you know, et cetera. And then she fucking, you know, it's like I can see why Katie's like, fuck you. Like, you're fucking crazy. Um, but if things were good between her and Schwartz at the time, why would that matter? This is where well, I'm kind of like, all, why are we harping on the Joe it's thing? Not that, it's, not that they're, it's not that they're roommates. It's like what Ariana was saying, though. They were keeping it a secret and, like, not talking. Like, Katie didn't find out about it until, like, way fucking later. And uh, that, okay. is, so and that, that is odd. Yeah, at the, especially when there's been the agreement of not having any dalliances within the friend group if there's any stink of that even if it and didn't it doesn't happen even seem like katie was like mad it's just it felt weird yeah like you know and then like you know our katie's like you know we made this deal together about like the, how the friend group would go and sandoval goes i feel like you decided it and he just agreed were you there were you there for the conversations if you weren't shut the fuck up also, it doesn't matter. If he agreed, then it doesn't matter whose idea it was. Yeah. And Katie's like, look, I don't think it's a bad, I don't think it's a, uh, a wrong bo- thing for me to set these boundaries. And, she, and then she says, and may God have mercy on your soul if you, fuck, if you try to fuck with them and pray that no one ever does that to you. And then they cut to shot at Ariana and a shot to Tom. Yeah. We go then to see you next Tuesday at Sir and James is DJing. Uh, Lisa comes in and sh- James then basically tells Lisa about what happened in Mexico with Schwartz and Raquel. And Lisa's like, oh, you're sounding a little jealous. And James is like, no, I'm not jealous. I wouldn't use that word. And then like, James of course is like, you wouldn't. James is like, I don't get why people keep saying I'm jealous uh, you know, of what's going on with Raquel. Maybe I mean, because every other breath, her name is on your lips. Well, and then he goes. Well, she'll make out with Sweaty Peter after a shift and then move on to Mr. Buzz Buttons over there. <laughs> like, what is he saying? He's just like the word. I understand the words. I do not understand the sentence. Yeah. And then so Schwartz and Sandoval are drinking a beer together. And Schwartz, Schwartz this is why, I, like, uh, Schwartz is like, I have to relearn how to communicate. I used to be so good at communicating. And Sandoval's like, you used to be so good with words. When? Like, when? Where? How? <laughs> um, and so Lisa sits down with them, and then Raquel is waiting on them because she's, uh, she's on her shift. Um, and, the, and Swartz are, and them are just, like, high-fiving and doing, like, um, like, you know, mutual stuff or whatever. And Swartz talking in his confessional, like, I wouldn't mind kissing Raquel again, but, you know, I don't think I'm in a place where I want a long-term relationship or anything. I want minimum feelings right now. Just all fun. That's literally been your whole life, dude. Yeah. You want that now? Like, ugh. Um, so, and then Sandoval, then Sandoval asked Raquel to sit, like, oh, Raquel, we can't hear you. Sit down between me and Schwartz. And then Lisa, Lisa's like, notices that Sandoval has a smile on his face and points it out to him. Lisa... Lisa's always been astute. She's, she, like... Get her back on Beverly Hills, please. And let me make the distinction, like, because people are also, like, Schwartz and Sandoval, I think, are also using the defense of, like, uh, everyone, everyone knew, and, like, they also didn't tell Ariana, so why is it just Schwartz's fault? They didn't have the, like, they had suspicions. We're seeing moments of, right now, this episode of them 
people like getting suspicions on things and he and seeing things that are like that seems kind of weird, but they don't have to fit they they don't have a FaceTime video of, of Raquel masturbating on Tom Sandoval's phone. Right. And 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 based off of what Schwartz says, he knows they had a one night stand. That's definitive from Sandoval. That's definitive evidence. Right. That is different than seeing things and thinking that's kind of weird. That's not that you don't go to that. You don't go to your friend and like put that in her head. If you don't know 100% for sure that he has cheated on her. Right. So, you know, I, I, there's a big difference. Um, and then Sandoval basically like, Oh, Raquel brings up, Oh, did you guys talk to Katie? And Sandoval was like, yeah, I talked to Katie. She said, and then he tries to stop himself performatively. I feel. And then tells Raquel that he, uh, Katie called her a whore. And Raquel's like, Really? You know, that Katie is so rude and so bitchy. You know, I've always tried to grow and be a better version of who I was. Bitch, where? Where, where is that? Can we, can we meet that girl? Because uh, last season, Raquel, to this season, Raquel, is a huge downgrade. Yeah. And Raquel is so, like, what? So kissing people makes you a whore? And then her confessional is like, you know, it's just really hard. Cause, and then she starts crying. And it's like... This is another like rehearsed line. I'm sorry. There are people in your life that can charge your battery or drain it, and that the gir- these girls drain it, and I don't want them in my life. Like, I don't want to see how Sandoval is charging your battery. Uh... <laughs> and then Raquel tries to leave, and Sandoval's like, "Raquel, are you okay?" And she's like, "I just don't appreciate being slut shamed for making out with someone." Um. And basically, Sandoval says in his confessional, like, I thought Raquel would shrug it off, but, you know, I want her to know what people are saying about her, you know, because... Bullshit. They rehearsed this scene beforehand. Yeah. And Sandoval says, you know, you know, Raquel doesn't have a lot of people in her corner, but that's, you know, she's a sweet girl, and she doesn't have a bad bone in her body, and you immediately were like... Uh, Immediately, I'm like, "Uh, well, she had your bone in her body, so... Pretty bad. Um, Yeah, this felt odd. Fully odd. We go now to Lala's new apartment, and she's having Christina, Katie, and Allie over. I like that Allie's getting incorporated in, mm-hmm. in everyone's stuff. Um, and Lala talks about that her birthday's coming up, and that um, she, they're getting ready for it. Um, she brings up like, the fact like she's loving her new apartment, and that like, she would choose to live here a million times over or over her old place with Randall, and basically says that it was like a torture chamber, mm-hmm. which, like, that's a lot. Um, so Lala basically says, like, she invited everyone to her birthday party except for Raquel, Schwartz, and Charlie. I, I will say that it felt a little name-droppy to go to say something about off of Mulholland Drive. It's like, girl. Yeah, she, she named the street. <laughs> she named, like, she was like, <laughs> yeah, it was it was Like, we like, know you were loaded. We get it. Like. <laughs> we know you had the Range Rover. Like, come on. Um, and then Katie kind of, Katie reveals that this is for Lala's birthday. She's, it's going to be the first time she brings her new sort of fling around the group, Satchel, which that's a name. That's his real name. Like, I look, people make fun of non-binary people for picking random objects as their name. Yeah. Um, this is the most non-binary name I've ever <laughs> seen in my life, and he's a cis man. And I'm just like... But he's like... What? Are we, what? Who named him? We'll talk about it more later. Like, Flower and Petal? Are those his <laughs> parents? Like, it makes, 
it does make perfect sense for Katie now thinking yeah, about it. Completely. Katie has always given off this kind of like hipsterish vibe. Oh, yeah. To where I can understand why initially she would want to be with Schwartz because Schwartz kind of yeah. gives those vibes, mm-hmm. but Schwartz still falls into like those sort of elements of masculinity that kind of like. Yeah, are Schwartz more... is the dweeby bro. He's yeah, not. But he's, he's still a bro. But he's still a bro. He's still deeply entrenched and invested in bro culture. And. He, I mean, that's evidence from the fact that Sandoval and Jax have always been his closest friends. There's like, a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Like, he's not a hipster. He's not, like, that sort of... He's not in touch with, like... Just because he smokes pot doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like, um, And Katie talks about how they've been really hitting it off and really enjoying with each other. And she says, like, you know, I came for the D and I stayed for the conversation. <laughs> this and, big old grin on her face and i was like you get it girl but like that's a good way to go about it like you can like like as long like coming for the d staying for the conversation it's like kind of i mean that's how we got together uh, <laughs> yeah i think it's how a lot of gay couples get together let's be honest yeah um and lala is basically like look i think you should bring him around like you know swartz showed no respect to you clearly and so at this point you can fuck his friends bring dudes around it's fine yeah, yeah. period um, the Toms then go over to Villa Rosa and then, and they're bringing flowers because we get the sad news that Ro, uh, Rose passed, uh, one of, uh, Vanderpump's miniature horses. Um, and then they did a flashback to I when forgot that we've seen g- him, like, I know we've seen the horses, but like that like, we saw, we were there when she got them. Like, yeah. I just, oh, and apparently it was like, apparently it was like really quick. Like they couldn't even get them to the vet quick enough, you know, before. Yeah. Um, so it's really sad. And Lisa always takes animal deaths like really hard. Yeah. Um, uh, so, but I also, I love that like they bring flowers and they're like having Rose as like a tribute or whatever, but then immediately they get into fighting about, uh, uh, Swords and Zandies. Like they, to where Sandoval's literally at one point yelling in f- her fucking home as she's grieving her dead miniature horse. Like yeah. sh- maybe this isn't the time for your performative bullshit. I yeah. don't know. Well, but this is the one time that I'll give credit to Schwartz. He gave it to like he or not. Oh yeah. Give credit to Schwartz. He was standing up to Sandoval and was like, motherfucker, you haven't been there. I've been the one doing this. It's been on my shoulders because you're off doing all this other bullshit. Yeah. Well, you come in, you rant, you rave, and then you leave. And I don't see you. Well, he's because Sandoval just keeps starting with the whole, like, we got to open, man. We got to open. And Schwartz is like, you're, you can do all this huff and puff, but you're not backing it up with anything. And then Schwartz like springs out. And you could tell, I've never seen Schwartz this angry, actually. Like, because it's Schwartz's money, too, and he's also going through a divorce, which you're about to not have to actually go through because you're not actually married. But you're going through, like, the selling of the house and all of that yeah. stuff. And it's like he's going through a divorce. He's also going through all of this investment that you have, but he doesn't have rich parents to support him like you do. And, like, Schwartz is getting the worst end of this. Yeah. And, like, he, Schwartz specifically says, like, when we had to submit the food menu, you went to band practice, and in the morning you went to go get your nails done. And then Schwartz in, or then Sandoval in confessionals, like, I'm not about to walk around Hollywood with busted nails. He said with grubby-ass chip nails. And I was literally like, he has become everything he hated about Stasi. He is fully, that is such a Stasi season one confessional comment. And he's fucking delivering it 10 years later. 
And he is, and I love Stasi. Yes, and as awful as I felt like this statement was in confessional, I feel like if Stasi had made it ten years ago, I would we would have been like work, bitch. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I fully agree with that. I get it. I you can't walk around with busted nails. But, I get it. But it's everything he hates about Stasi. Yeah, because he used to drag her all the time, and it's like, yeah, used to. Like, well, yeah, just a couple seasons ago, I remember a book signing. So, like, literally, like, Schwartz is bringing up... This is where Sandoval is so manipulative. Schwartz bringing up these examples of, like, the way Sandoval is not involved and the way he's not contributing. And what does Sandoval immediately get, do? He goes, no, the problem is Greg, because he keeps pulling the e-brake. Like, he's... This is where I don't fully get negative towards Greg, both from, like, what I see from the larger scale. But notice when Schwartz bringing, is bringing up Sandoval stuff, Sandoval immediately tries to redirect him to the Greg. Right. He's like, no, no, that's not the story. That's not the narrative, dude. The narrative is we need to blame Greg. Right. And and I I get that, but I also know that it's the hallmark of a narcissist to latch on to another bad guy and yeah. blame the other bad guy. So I'm not saying that I'm, I'm, Greg I'm, is no, no, guilty no. because Sandoval is pointing fingers at Greg. But I'm also saying that just because Sandoval is pointing Greg or fingers at Greg does not mean that Greg is innocent either. I, so I think I, what I mean is like, and we see, we'll see in the next scene too, particularly. Sandoval loves narrative setting. Oh, yeah. And he's, I mean, the Howie Mandel podcast, he essentially admits it. Oh, yeah. He essentially says, we were, I'm putting out a certain narrative. It's like, at least in terms of Ariana, me and Ariana's relationship, if we're meant to be believed, I don't believe what he says. But like, he... He, you could tell he gets mad whenever Swartz or Ariana or anyone in his life doesn't stick to the script. Mm-hmm. Doesn't stick to what, and we get to, so we get to it in this scene. Cause then we go to Tom and Ariana's house and they're sitting around talking and just like, this scene fucking infuriated me. And like, yeah. So Ariana talks about, um, you know, having her eggs fertilized and, and setting up the appointment and that, the and they specifically said Sandoval specifically says that the appointment for the deposit, as he puts it, is on the seventh. Flashback to the Howie Mandel podcast of the timeline he tries to lay out about when she brought up fertilizing the eggs. Bullshit. Um, and so Ariana basically says, like, you know, my mind hasn't completely changed about having kids, but I don't like the idea of like a biological clock essentially telling me what to do. So that's why I went and had my eggs frozen. And I also know that fertilized eggs are more viable. So that's why if we want to have kids down, the, and she's also said like, we maybe could have kids down the line. I don't want to be pregnant. I don't want to carry them. Right. But I wouldn't mind you know, like in that regard. So he's, she's also open to like this concept. And Sandoval basically is like, in his confessional goes, you know, when she first mentioned fertilizing the eggs, I've always, I was always down for that. Cut to the clip of the reunion from last season where Ariana was like, I've told him multiple times to make appointments and he never does it. Yeah. Also, it's occurring to me that the reason that he has been pushing for kids and for marriage all these years is because that's a way to lock her down. Yeah. Yeah. And, but also, again, I don't like the discuss. Like, he, it'd be one thing if he was also explicitly using the idea of, like, she wouldn't let me have kids and they're there. And that's why I strayed. Like, 
one, she's laid that out from the beginning. She's been very clear about what she feels about marriage and kids. Um, so you've known this. And like, but the timeline is completely off. And this this whole conversation that we're seeing in this scene is what he is trying to set up in this because he's already fucking Raquel. He's already emotionally connected uh, connected to Raquel if we believe him. Like he wants to move on immediately. He wants to leave her for Raquel at this yeah. point. Yeah. And so he needs to set a narrative to where he looks like the victim. And yeah. he needs and Ariana is the bad guy. Because at this point we already know that the plan is to wait and to, whether he says it or not, we know. Like yeah. we know. We all know. We we have eyes. But we know that the plan is to wait until after the reunion and then and then break up with Ariana and get with Raquel. But even if he waited till after, he still needs to set a scene in which there is a oh, that's a, where what I the mean. audience can blame Ariana for it. Right, that's what I mean. Like what he's doing right now is setting the stage so that at the end of the the whole thing, when it comes out in the way that's perfectly orchestrated and the way he wants it to be, um, when everything comes out, he looks like the good guy and he looks like the wounded man that yep. you know strayed because he didn't have another option and oh all this fuck off so th- they're talking about like because they're like well v- with like the sperm viability and stuff like that obviously right. like lay back on drinking and and certain things like that and he talks about like you know i'm under a lot of stress so i drink and ariana's like yeah that's the big thing you know we just got to work on like healthy coping mechanisms for things like that and then sandoval immediately goes like well i mean we all do like unhealthy things and then she's like, yeah, I know. But, you know, sometimes you can just, like, not take a shot or whatever. She's like, it's not that hard to that's, not take that, a shot. The tone in which I'm expressing of what Ariana's saying is, like, the, the exact tone in which she's talking, by the way. Like, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And then Sandoval then immediately goes, you know, I just feel like it's tough sometimes to talk to you. And I just feel like you just never agree with me and take my side on things. What? What the fuck prompted that in this conversation? You can tell even on Ariana's face she was fucking confused. What the fuck is this coming from? And Ariana's like, I mean, you know, we're allowed to have, you know, different perspectives. And he's like, yeah, you know, I, yeah, but it's like, it just, it feels like, you know, I'll explain myself. And, you know, you're really quick to take the other person's point of view, which, by the way, is exactly what Katie has been expressing about Schwartz for her entire fucking relationship. The only difference, Katie's is actually rooted in something. Right. This is pulled out of fucking thin air. Yeah. This idea, and, and this is why I never, I didn't understand it on the Howie Mandel podcast either. This choice that he's making with this narrative. How, you're going to try to make us believe Ariana's not supportive of you? You're, you're going to try to believe when that she's, she's an unsupportive girlfriend? When she's been your number one cheerleader the entire time when you've been together? When she gave you half of her book deal? When she's been for doing ev- nothing, by the way, did absolutely nothing. When she's been at every one of your fucking concerts, when she fucking supports you in literally everything you do, that was the stupidest choice to make to try to put a put the pull the wool over our fucking eyes. Also, let's not forget the fact that he started their relationship by refusing to be there for her on the anniversary of her father's death, and instead going to Vegas. To- and she had just had to be like, "Yeah, it's fine." Like she's not supportive of you. Fuck off. And he's and she's like, well, it feels like, you know, you question my intelligence, that you think I'm an idiot. He's throwing out these buzzwords of shit that he, she never fucking said. And we've, we've talked about it before. This is someone who's been to like 
three months of therapy who has gathered all the therapy buzzwords and then learns how to weaponize them against people. This is the same thing that our friend did to us that we had to cut out. This is the same thing that people all over reality television do all the time. It's narcissistic bullshit. Yeah. They, it's so infuriating and like it's gaslighting to the extreme because they're actually using the language that is meant to be healing, healing. and then taking that and and weaponizing it and, then and they that look is the, like the healer that is the the most like invalidating and like um uh, what's the word that um on Beverly Hills last season um she got yelled at violating it's Violate. the most violating word I was like capricious to, no no it's it's the most it's the most violating thing you can do with words 100%. is to take the, the, the concepts and words that are supposed to be healing and weaponize them. Yeah. And that's what he's doing here to Ariana, knowing what she's going through right now with, with her family and with like just losing a pet like that she's had for so many years. And like, it's, I just, I want to strangle I this I wanted man. to jump through the screen of this scene so I bad. was so angry. And also, mind you, our poor downstairs neighbor, because it's like 2 o'clock in the morning when we're watching this, and we're like infuriated at the TV, trying to be as quiet as possible and failing miserably, I feel. Like, sorry, downstairs neighbor, if you listen to our podcast. Uh, mm. um, so Lisa, uh, uh, so this at least this is a fun scene. So Lisa goes to Pomp to have lunch with Oliver and Garcelle. And when Garcelle stepped out of the car, I was like, I've missed you, bitch. I, I love her so much. much. They sit down and they're like, they get their, they start ordering and Lisa's like, what do you want to drink? And Garcelle's like, you know what? I'm going to have a glass of your rosé because your rosé beats everyone's rosé. <laughs> and I love them taking this moment to shade Lisa Rinna. I love it so much. And Rinna, or LVP just be like, I mean, if it was me, I would come up with a unique idea. <laughs> so uh, we, we need to get ourselves a bottle of, uh, of uh, Vanderpump Rosé. Yeah. Um, LVP uh, uh, talks, uh, basically tells Garcelle about Oliver and Raquel snogging, as she said. Um, <laughs> and Garcelle's like, I don't know what that is, but it sounds awful. Yeah. And then Oliver, so then Oliver starts saying like, you know, you know, yes, I've been separated from my uh, ex-wife. We've been separated for months. We're working on a co-parenting agreement. I, you know, ha- you know, I, I respect her as a mother and, and everything, you know, but yeah, we're completely separated. Um, so we'll get to it later. I, I have thoughts on Oliver that I think are a little nuanced. Um, so- I, I will say that I feel like from what I know of Garcelle and her character, um, if that was not true to her knowledge, she would have called him out. Sure. Yeah. So I feel like that's probably closer to the truth than what we have heard yeah. from and, well, Stephanie. Is that her name? Samantha. Samantha. I knew it was an S word. We get more details later that I think, I, again, I, I, I don't hate Oliver. I don't hate Oliver either. I just... I don't I don't think he's nearly the villain that he was initially looking to be. And when, um, and other people were hoping to make her him out to be in this episode. We'll get to it. Uh-huh. Um and then Garcelle's like, you know, talks about like how, you know, she's always, you know, 
just looking for the right guy where it'll just click or whatever. And she asked Lisa, like, well, I mean, did you have that moment with you? How did you meet Ken? And LVP's like, I felt something. <laughs> I think I was bending over the bathtub. <laughs> and, and, I love Lisa. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Lisa and Garcelle have a good dynamic. I, I need her back on my screens more often than just uh, this uh, Vanderpump Rules. Yeah. So... We, everyone's getting ready for Lala's birthday. And James and Allie are getting ready. They're picking out clothes and stuff like that. And then this is where we find out the tea. So apparently, when, they, when Allie was leaving Lala's apartment from the last scene that we had saw, um, she brought up that apparently Allie spotted Sandoval and Raquel dancing together at the Abbey at about 1 a.m. And she was like, we were like, it's 1 a.m. Where's Ariana? Like, I don't know why, but that just reminded me of those commercials from the 90s. It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your kids <laughs> are? <laughs> it's 1 a.m. Do you know where your boyfriend of 10 years is? Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. Like, I was like, good on it. And Allie's like, well, I don't know what people's relationships are like, so you do you. So, like, basically, I don't know if it's like, the, it, I don't know if it was innocuous. I don't know if it was like something yeah. Ariana knew about. Like, it's none of my business. So yeah. So she, well, but but she made her business by telling Lala and Katie, obviously. <laughs> but but, good, but I mean, good on her for doing it. She does what show she's on. So we see these scenes. So Sheena and Brock are at Raquel's apartment while Christina is over at Lala's apartment as they get ready. Lala says that, and also Lala's like, "This is my first birthday." you know, since being single and that I'm just want to, my goal is to end the night with birthday sex. Lala is so sex crazed this season. I get it though, girl. Yeah. And, but so now as this is happening, all the headlines have now broke about Oliver. Right. And about his ex-wife coming out, basically saying he's cheated on me now with multiple women as he's claiming to them that we're separated, but we are not separated. Right. And, uh, Lala apparently talked to her at one point and, and Lala told her, yes, Oliver. Because she was like, I thought, I, we saw the group photo you posted with Oliver and all the girls, and it gave me a weird feeling. And she basically, Lala basically told her that Oliver and Raquel made out. Um, and so all the stories are out. Raquel is like, I'm finding this out now for the first time, and, everyone, and I'm being like named in all these articles and shit like that. Um, and so, like, what the hell do I do? I'm about to go on a date with this guy tonight. And Brock essentially suggests, like, calling Oliver's ex. So she does. We don't hear her. Like, they, we just see Raquel's I mean, in the conversation. clearly she didn't sign a release. Yeah. So, but basically, according to Raquel, that she said that he had made promises to work on the marriage and that they were still living in the same apartment. Um, and <laughs> Raquel's like, it's just, it just seems so manipulative and selfish. Hmm. Does it now? And then Lala's basically like, <laughs> the way Lala phrases it, she's like, well, and when he left the pussy place, because <laughs> it's, it's disco <laughs> pussy, uh, after making out with Raquel, he went home and slept with her, with Samantha. Um, and then Sheena's like, you know, now telling Raquel, now you're, you're going to have the mistress label on you. Uh, you know, I've, I know what that's like. I've had it on me for 17 years and it never goes away. Well, if it didn't happen with this case, it's definitely on her now. Yeah. Just saying. Um, and yeah, so that's sort of the dynamic brewing. So Lala, it's Lala's birthday, and they're going down to this place called the Classic Cat on Sunset Strip, on the Sunset Strip. And then Katie uh, introduces the girls to Satchel. 
I like him. He yeah. doesn't. He didn't talk too much, but like he's I, got a good vibe to him. He's got a good vibe, and I love. I don't know. I really loved how affectionate he was. Mm-hmm. Like, and not in a put-on way, not right. in a overly done way. And it wasn't overly sexual. It was loving. Yeah. It was. It was more of a I respect and cherish you, and less of a you're my sexual pr- um, prize um, property. Really. Yeah. And he he basically tells her like, "You look beautiful tonight." And Katie's like, he's sweet. He shows me affection. And that's a nice change for me. And then she says, let's just say I won't be complaining about how his dick doesn't work. <laughs> um, and then so all the everyone starts coming into the Lala's party. Sheena then meets Satchel. And then Sheena in her confessional saying, it's weird seeing Katie with this. She said, I don't know what she meant by this, but Macter, I don't know. This Macter shaggy dog looking motherfucker. He looks like he just got groomed at Vanderpump Dogs. Okay. Sheena's so bitter. Well, keep in mind, keep this in mind where Sheena's now in interviews being like, I'm still so bad for what I did to Katie. Okay. Um, they're, they're talking like if Schwartz is coming and Ariana's like, no, Schwartz isn't coming. He, he wasn't invited. He's having a bath. And we see him, a full scene of him like, I didn't need that. I really didn't. Um, yeah, it wasn't necessary. Yeah, so, and then Katie and Lala start discussing the Oliver headlines of, that are coming out. Like, did you see this shit? Like, sort of, like, you know, getting into it. And then we cut to Oliver and Raquel's date. So, Oliver, this is where I like Oliver. Oliver's me, like, so I don't know if you've been seeing the stuff that's been posted online that my ex-wife had come out about. Obviously, it's, you know, really terrible stuff. You know, it's a lot to deal with right now. Um, and Raquel then tells him that he t- that she talked to Samantha about everything. Um, Oliver says that Oliver says that they have been separated, and he has had his own place for about eight months. But he does come over sometimes, and because he's like, and yes, I've had sex with her in that time. You know, part of it is I want to see my kids. Part of it is you know the emotional like sort of because right. to me like it's still wrong. I think it's still wrong what he did. I think he left out certain information maybe that was, you know, pertinent. But I don't blame him. But I I also don't think that in the middle of a club when you're trying to meet somebody new is the time to air all of your dirty laundry. And it's not like he slept with her. Yeah. They made out on the dance floor. Who gives a shit? And and Raquel is like, did you have sex with her that night after we kissed? And she's like, no, I didn't have sex with her that night. But maybe a few days later. And which is still kind of, but and But Oliver apologizes to, you know, bringing this on to her. And, like, is he wrong? Yes. But, like, I think he broached, I don't know. I feel like he broached it with a certain level of humility that maybe it's because of all the other men on the show who have had cheating stuff who never yeah. show humility. But I was, like, I, he. it seemed in the sense of, like, I fucked up. Yeah. It was a mistake of mine. I also want to believe him because he's Garcelle's kid. Yeah. And I think part of it from what I was getting from him, and, and I know it's just his side, but it was, like, you know, we're separated, but also emotions come into play. Right. And this is someone who is my wife, and I am casually dating, but sometimes I, I unfortunately go back to her even though we're still separated. Right. I, I mean, it's a complicated situation when you're co-parenting and you're separated but not divorced, and there's like this dynamic. It, it's complicated. And I feel like he was, again, broaching this with a certain level, a certain level of humility. And Raquel came into this date looking for the moment like like she like lala said she doesn't know how to fucking 
deviate. And she's like, she talks about, you know, it's unfair, you know, the bashing that I'm getting on social media, which at this point, sure, I can get with that. She's, but, and then she's like, I'm just furious with all of, you know, make, him making me look a certain way that isn't who I am at all. Is it? Um, um, by, by the way, I looked up what Mactor means. It's those people that are attractive and they go around to try to get on all the different reality shows to get famous off of their good looks. I don't get that vibe from him at I all. I don't get that from him at all. And if that's the case, then what the hell, What else has he been on? Like, uh, yeah, we would know the name Satchel. Probably. Yeah. Um, and Raquel. Uh, oh, and this is the part where Raquel says, like, you know, and Oliver was also not doing anything to even keep his wife from finding out, which makes me think he just wanted her to feel bad. This was where I was like, huh? Because, like, it's almost as if she's saying, like, it would be better if you kept it from people in secret, which I think speaks a lot to your character. Yeah. You're claiming is being maligned. Yep. As we then find out. And Not Ra- maligned at all, actually. And Oliver's and Raquel's like, well, I, this isn't the day I expected. And Oliver's like, yeah, I, I didn't expect this kind of you know, thing to come out on this date. And then Raquel says, well, we would have had a great time if you would have just you know, divorced your wife. And then she and then she walked off and leaves him. He dodged a fucking bullet. But yeah, he was defending her recently on interviews, and I'm like, yeah, Oliver, just let let her go. <laughs> like let her. And and I I get like no no let never her, mind let her go no let her just go. let it let it go like let, I I get the, the let her go all the way to Miraval. I get the <laughs> oh god we won't, we won't talk about that but um. But I get going, look, I get that she's being attacked over here and all of this other stuff. In our situation, I was the bad guy, so I don't want any yeah. of her, this to and blow he back on her. To her. Like, I get why he would stand up, why he has the... Um, I can't speak The today. incentive. Uh, not even incentive, uh, inclination, there maybe. There you go. To to stand up for her and defend her, um, but you don't need to. She she can do bad all by herself. Yeah. So then Raquel leaves, and then she starts texting Sheena, and she's texting Sheena that you know, are you guys still at the uh, place or whatever? I need to talk to Lala. Abort. This is not a good idea. And as she's texting her, Lala and Katie are talking about the headlines, and Lala just being like. I- Guess what? I wouldn't be so quick to throw daggers now, bitch. I bet your mom's real proud of you. Like, like Lala's got a little couple of drinks in her, and she's just like feeling herself and doing her whole thing. She, she doesn't have any drinks. She's sober. Oh, that's right. Th- yeah, this is her on sober, but she's like, she's like, she's getting revved up, which yeah. is, makes for perfect timing. So Raquel shows up, and Sheena walks outside to talk to her. And Raquel basically tells her what happened with Oliver. I love her going. She does not tell her what happened with Oliver. She tells her a very, very manipulated version of what happened with Oliver. She blames everything on him, says that there's no nuance. He was lying. He's a piece of shit. And And then then tries to sell that as the narrative. And then she says, he didn't even stand up when I left the table. Okay. Like, what? Whatever. Um, and Raquel, Sheena's like, you really want to talk to her on her birthday? And Raquel's like, yeah. And she's like, okay. And then they walk in and like Lala immediately makes eye contact with Raquel as she comes in and Raquel goes, 
hi. And Lala just starts big grin. She's jumping up and down, clapping like it's the fuck. Like she's just got a new pony and she's five years old. And she just goes, what's up, mistress? (laughs) It was so fucking funny. Uh, I need to go back and gift that. That's it's. It's beautiful. It was like, it, it, it's so perfect. I have a still shot of it, but it, it doesn't tell the full. You need the hopping up and down, clapping, laughing first. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, too good. She's like, this is the best fucking birthday present ever. Um, and then, so she goes outside and then with, with Raquel. And then this, mo- so then Katie is, is sitting next to Sandoval. And, and Katie's like, I just think it's so fucking funny. That Raquel is such a stupid bitch. Like, you know, all this stuff. You know, it's just funny to you know, it's just funny to me. And Sandoval says, you know, it seems like you you get a lot of joy out of it, huh? Like trying to like shit on her. And and Katie's like, I don't get joy out of it. I just find it funny. And Sandoval says that uh, you know, I've seen Katie be a very proactive, vindictive person over the years. So you can tell she's just savoring it like it's the best Wagyu steak. This, he does this shit all the time about, like, all these vindictive women. He's doing it with Ariana now. Yep. He d- he's done it with Katie. He used to do it with Stassi. Remember when Stassi yep. uh, exposed Kristen sleeping with Jackson? His, Sandoval the whole time was just like, Stassi, you're enjoying it too much. Whatever, dude. And then, so he's like, because he said, like, you're getting a lot of joy out of it. And Katie just goes, you get a lot of joy out of Raquel as well, I think. And I went, I was mouth agape. And then, yeah. And then Santa was like, yeah, she's a cool girl. And Katie goes, you know, hanging out with her at the Abbey at one o'clock in the morning. And, and then Santa was like, oh, dude, what are you talking about? Shut the fuck up, whatever. But you can tell he it rattled him, and Katie's it's just so starts good. sipping her drink like, "I got you, motherfucker!" Like this was this that la- that scene earlier in the episode where Sandoval is just mansplaining to her the yep. entire time. Like th- it it paid off in such the most beautiful fucking yep. way. Oh, it was so good. Um. So and then Raquel and Lala are talking outside, and Raquel apologizes to her for calling her a mistress, and Lala's like, "What? Because you are one." <laughs> and, it was so good. Well, and she says, "Cause you are one." And Raquel goes, oh, "Right, okay." Like, like, and then you know she's like, "I get it now." And, so, and Lala's like, "You know, you sh- instead of like shitting on me and being like, I got Oliver chose you over me, or me over you, um, you should have been asking the questions of like, oh, how long have you been separated, etc. Like the questions I asked Randall. He then lied to me, and then Raquel is like. You know, I get that now. You know, I didn't realize, and this is why I'm apologizing, because I didn't realize how easily a man could mislead someone. And then... I just, I, this whole thing pissed me off because it is like, number one, it's bullshit because we know everything we know about Scandaball. Yeah. But then we also have her trying to completely flip this like, yes, Oliver was the awful person, and yes, there's no nuance to this, yeah. and um, you know all of this stuff. Trying to malign Oliver and make her like she's the victim here. It's like, no, the nobody's nobody's a victim here. Yeah, like 
You knew that they were separated, but not divorced. You know, you should know as a grown fucking adult that that is a messy situation. And, that, that, and if you don't want in the mess, don't get in the mess. But you knew there was mess. Yeah. And so, but Lala seemingly not warms to her, but like sees an opening, I guess, sort of slightly. Yeah. And basically, like, look, that's what it is. The women always take the brunt, and the men always get away with murder. You know, and you, you know, he'll you'll get called a mistress, and you know he'll get off scot free. And you know, and Lala's only going off of what Raquel said, obviously. But like Lala's like, you know, let's let's. How about we both use this as a learning experience? Because I don't want beef with you. You know. And then Raquel in her confessional is being like, you know, being single has allowed me to reflect on who I am as a person and the fact that I assign value to what other people think of me. Well, yes, but you then took, like, I was saying at the time, like, it would, if she at this moment, even if she had already fucked Sandoval, which we know she did, and, and all that, if she then immediately went to Sandoval and said, I can't do this. This is not good, right, for Ariana. This isn't okay. I can't continue in this. Like, I, I saw what Oliver did to me. Like, yeah. I can't. But she doesn't. The she way keeps that, it up for months and months and months more. Yeah, the way that they're setting this up is like they were trying, when they were going to come out with it at the end of the season, I guarantee you they were going to try to sell it as a new thing. Yeah. Not that it had been going on for months. I guarantee you that that it, was going to be if, their narrative. If it wasn't Katie bringing up stuff, if it wasn't Allie noticing things, et cetera, they would have done that. And they would have probably maybe succeeded. No, yeah. I, I think the fact that that they got caught before they were able to craft their narrative and come out with it on their own is what made the truth of it come out. Sure, but Swartz would have ta- I think Swartz would have taken to the grave. It was when the other independent parties are like piecing things together and going, that seems weird, this seems odd. That's where it kind of came, I, I think, came to that. Um, but Lala basically, like, tells Raquel, like, you know, you're not a mistress. She is. You, you don't know this now, but at the time of this, but yeah. Um, and don't let anyone tell you that you are. And then they hug, and Raquel apologizes again. And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> this was a lot, but it, it was good. It was juicy in moments. It was, like... Not like Vanderpump Rules is the best show on television right now. It oh, yeah. really fucking is. Completely. It's so good, so dramatic. Like I'm mad at all the time at it. I'm like it, it's it's great. So yeah, really really good stuff from Vanderpump Rules. We're going to take a quick commercial break and when we come back, our last day in Thailand for Ultimate Girls Trip season 3. Don't go in. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and you know, I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. 
Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild... Like, accountability is love, and toxicity is not on the menu. To a little more spicy. Like, one of my favorites... Fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay and His Envy. We are now headed back for our last trip down to Thailand, ultimate girls trip. Last day in Thailand, and, and we start with Marisol and her confessional just being like, I need therapy. Like, so, like, exhausted. Bitch, me too, the fuck? <laughs> Whitney, Whitney and Giselle are in the pool, and Whitney's saying that she's still a little high from last night. Um, uh... Heather, we get to talking. So Heather apparently wouldn't get on the poll last night because I guess her like Mormon like Christian value, and like you know Whitney basically says like Heather has like a secret freak in her in her and all that. You know, I was we just came off of a season of Salt Lake City where she's flashing her titties every like I I don't understand. I just I yeah I don't get it. She just got naked and skinny dipped on this season of Girls Trap. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems weird. Um, she so, is an enigma wrapped in a mystery, shrouded in crazy. <laughs> so and and so now this is apparently the episode where Alexia decided that she needs a clock in. Like we'll get we'll get to it. But she says that she was worried about how you know Whitney would be viewed uh, with the poll stuff, which uh, I'm like oh, okay. And then Heather basically is like, you don't, you don't come for Whitney's pole dancing because you're coming for her identity, which, true. Um, but also, like, I love how she was, like, subtly going, no, but she's a pole dancer. That's what she does. That's her whole identity. That's everything about her is dancing on the pole. Don't you know that? Which, is she wrong? Um, <laughs> she's also got a skincare line. There we go. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then Giselle pulls Pepsi over and goes, so, Pepsi, can you make sure you get the enlarged picture of the bottle with the easel? And I'm like, motherfucker, we're still doing this? I was so angry. <laughs> like, last episode was so nice. Like, fucking. Ugh. Poor Pepsi was, like, sobbing as he got this together, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so, and the, everyone's getting right. Heather basically gives her intention to the, the tiny house uh, spirits. Um, wishing like good health for Leah, and then we basically find out Leah is at least gonna come back for the final dinner, because mm. like she's like I'm not, you know, I need to get that final fucking dinner in. Um, I'm sorry, just the the phrase the tiny house spirits just made me giggle. Yeah, like, I just what that's else? Gr- that's what they, it's the tiny house. <laughs> no, I know it's just it's the spirits yeah. in the tiny house. Um, Candace says uh, they're in the Sprinter van, uh, going to this like Lotus Pond, 
Um, and Candace basically says that Whitney surprised her the most on this trip and that she's her new favorite. She's saying all this as Heather's in the background and Heather, of course, being her sort of like meek self being like, oh, I'm the third wheel, you know, so, which I'm, I'm kind of over. Yeah. <laughs> like girl, like it's fine. Like you don't have to be the, we've seen behind the Heather curtain this season, both on this show and on Salt Lake. So it's just like, I'm, I'm done with this. Can we stop? Yeah. So, and then the other Sprinter van has Portia, Giselle, and the Miami girls. And then, my, Maris, I forgot what it is. Marisol brings up something about, like, the cast, like, casting on these shows and something like that. And, like, how casting's important. And that they did such a great job casting uh, for Miami. And Alexia's like, no, they didn't. Don't say that. And, like, basically, it's like, no. Um, and so now we're starting to see, like, the, I guess, dissension between Alexia and Marisol. Which I guess they had been hinting to, like... That yeah. it was just like cabin fever, essentially, where they had been they had been so like with each other the entire trip that it's like getting annoying. Um, and then Alexia basically is like, you know, we're coming off of season five, and that was a really tough season for me, where I had a lot of fights with a lot of people. But really, Marisol stayed quiet, and I was like, what? Did we watch the same season? She well, po- in her defense, she hasn't watched the season yet. Yeah. She points to like one moment, which I'm like, okay, I can get give you that, but it's like Marisol was like. Almost ruining her own reputation defending you. Like, I, I didn't understand this. Yeah. Again, this felt like, like, as much as Portia criticized Leah last episode about, like, looking for the TV moment, it, this episode really felt like Alexia and Marisol were like, oh, God, we didn't do enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it kind of felt that way. Um, they arrived to this, like, giant lotus pond where all these giant lotuses are. Um, uh, and Portia has them do like a catwalk, like walk down this like the bridge or whatever that's like over it, um, which I remember this went viral on uh, Twitter when they were filming. I, I I have the same opinion now when I saw it as I did when I saw it back then. Is that everybody serves but Giselle? Everybody but Giselle. It's better than the the first girls trip one. Remember when they tried to do that like dance? Oh God! And like Ramona was like doing like the thriller dance at one point when they were trying to do like squiggly arms. She's such a boomer. Uh huh. Yeah, it it was a little better than that. Um, oh, and then Marisol's like, okay, so let's ha- let's all talk. You know, the trip is almost done. Who did you like the least going in? And Alexia's like, we already did this question. And Marisol, you've been drinking too much. And I'm like, oh my god, like this, like I I understand the like when you when you're stuck with somebody for so long and and one like. 24 hours a day in this, like, like that's it, why the divorce rates went up during quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and they say later that they kind of fight like a married couple, which I do see, but it was like, Oh my God, like lay off Marisol for a second. Um, and so, Oh God. So then poor Pepsi brings out the easel with the fucking thing, which also, why did you even like, and Giselle's just like courts now in session. Why did you need the easel? I didn't like just for a prop. Uh, okay. Yeah. I was so over this. Um, so they're like, okay, so witness, we need witness statements and whatever. I'm like, I'm. F- so we were listening to, um, we, we listened to Las Culturistas with Bowen. Las Culturistas. Um, we are avid readers. Avid readers. Um, and they were talking about this with Giselle. And exact, they, were, they did a great job of like pinpointing like why this was terrible, this whole bottle bullshit. And like, th- as of late, particularly, I don't know if the, as much as the earlier seasons of Potomac, but as of late when Giselle is doing these, like, I'm making a moment for TV and I'm doing drama, which 
I don't necessarily mind on Housewives. There's some Housewives that do it very well. Like we talked about Jennifer Aiden with the coffee reader. I thought that was a perfect, like, you know. Mimi used to do it very well. Mimi used to do it great. Um, Kenya would do it great. Like, there's Mm -hmm. a, a lot of people who do it really well. Like, Giselle's always takes it too far. And it just gets mean. And, like. It's too far in, like, one aspect. But then also not far enough. Like, she passes funny and, well, no, she just bypasses funny. She doesn't even pass funny because that, that indicates that there's still humor there, but there's... It gets to be, like, abusive. Like, yeah, it, there's no funny. It's just mean. And, like, there's not enough production value in it to make up for that. Like, because some of the shit that Nini did was incredibly mean, but there was production value, honey. But also, Nini would, like, crack a laugh in the middle of it. Like, knowing, like, this is all a joke. We're in on the joke, like, sort of thing. Giselle doesn't do that. Yeah. Giselle, like, is, like, I I don't get, like, and she's like, oh, well, Candace wants to be the victim. She says that later in the episode. Like, Candace just wants to be a victim or whatever. It's like. You're treating her like shit here. Like I don't. She didn't. She didn't manufacture any of this. You pointed the finger at her. Yeah, it's like the, the goal of Giselle to be like, well, Candace is casting a narrative or whatever, and trying. It's like, no, you clearly are because you're the one with the fucking prop <laughs> uh, picture of the bottle with an easel. Like, like whatever. So she asks for witnesses. Portia says that she didn't see it in Heather's room, so Heather's off the suspect list. Marisol's off the list for simply saying that they could check the room. They don't really confirm if they did or not. But they also wouldn't let Candace do that. Candace said that she would check the room. Yeah, but 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 then she wouldn't, and so therefore she's the, the number one suspect. And Candace just going, you can take the bottle and put it in your booty hole and fly home. <laughs> Um, I also, so they're doing, cause courts are all in session and then their drink orders start coming and Giselle, the only time I laughed at Giselle during this was like, courts in recess, we, we can't get our drinks. And then once the drinks come, okay, courts back in session. That was the closest I was to like, okay, that's kind of funny, but it wasn't it was fine. Yeah. Um, Giselle, oh, Giselle then says, you know, this has hurt me. I know Pepsi has lost sleep over it. Don't you bring Pepsi into this. You're the reason Pepsi's lost sleep. Exactly. If you had just said, oh, oops, I guess I'll just drink Don Julio the rest of the time. Instead of making a big deal out of absolutely nothing, then Pepsi would have lost zero sleep. Yeah. You made this a thing. And then like. You made Pepsi cry. And then, like, they try to, like, okay, all witnesses, can you all vote of, of Candace's innocence or whatever? And, like, half of them don't. And Candace is like, boom, mistrial. <laughs> like, exactly. Um, what is it? There was at one point where Candace says, I think to Giselle, like, your mother's a thief. I was like, oh, bring the mothers back in. <laughs> She's going to love that. Um, and, like, yeah, Candace is, like, fully done with Giselle. And they talk about, like, how Candace is just over it. And Giselle's like, we had a rocky season seven due to her husband and that issue. It's like, due to her husband and that issue. Due to you telling lies. Yeah, exactly. Lies, fairy tales, and um, stories. And Giselle's basically like, well, I've always been a good friend to Candace. And Candace has not been a good friend all the time to me. Really? Who was running interference when Monique was bringing out all those text messages from that binder? That reunion. Watch it back. Who was trying to stop her and run interference about and try to discredit her? Candace. So, hmm. Hmm. Uh, so hmm. 
then the th- Marisol brings up that, like, I guess th- she brought, like, coffee. She explained this story, and I don't remember it. it. But it has something to do with her mom. Like, it's like... Oh, so um, her and her mom had created a coffee line or something together, and there was only, like, it ended and it was done, and there was only one case left. She brought half of that case with her on the trip, and it had been in her suitcase, and she'd been seeing it the whole time, so she knew it was here in Thailand. Um, and now it's gone missing and she's upset about it because it's obviously, it's something of her mom's that she holds precious that she was going to give that to the rest of the girls as a gift. Um, and now it's gone missing, but she hasn't made a big deal about it because she doesn't want to accuse anybody of stealing shit out of her bag because she has absolutely no proof of that. What a concept. And then Alexia is like, 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 oh, well, we didn't see it, though, or whatever. Like, and Marisol's like, stop, just let me talk, or whatever. And then Alexi's like, oh, well, you always say that Candace is, like, screaming, and you're screaming like Candace. And it's like, oh, my God, what's but happening? But she was saying it in Spanish because she knew what the fuck she was saying. Yeah. She said, you're acting like Candace right in front of Candace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, seriously, bitch? Well, Marisol at the table, like, we, we didn't talk about it. Like, right before Marisol brings up the whole Candace is loud thing again. And... In her defense, Candace is loud, but also Everyone people make is. her loud. Yeah. People make a situation where she has to be loud. Yeah. So Leah is back. At, they go back. Leah's back at the villa and basically uh, only had a Do bottle. they drive back? We'll get to that later. <laughs> we, there, that was a fun moment later. Um, and basically, she just had a viral infection of some sort. <laughs> And she's like, I finally had a solid uh, bowel movement. And Candace goes, two cheers for solid poops. I love how the, <laughs> I just have to laugh at the pre- people doing the closed captions because they captioned it as salad poops. Uh, <laughs> I had to stop it because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> not salad poops. Salmonella. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Can we also, can we also quickly talk though about Candace is the only one that cares that, that Leah's back. Yeah. No one else gives a fucking shit. No one's like, hey, Leah, are you okay? No one. Yeah. Like, like it's like, geez, what did she do? I can, mean, we, can we talk about the fact that Leah opened the door to, uh, to Candace twerking up against the door? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cute. <laughs> that was cute. That made me giggle. Um, Pepsi's getting, I love their relationship. Pepsi's getting stuff together. And uh, was Portia joking like that Pepsi's looking for a wife or something? Yeah, because she was saying, you know, he's feeding us well and, you know, he's making us all. Weren't you just saying the other day that he wasn't feeding you well and you weren't getting enough food? I was going to say he's been bringing KFC to you every fucking day of this trip. I so. mean, that's true. But anyway, uh, and, and making all these special dresses for us, which... We'll get to it. Those dresses were gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Mm. I thought Whitney looked... I thought Whitney's was probably my favorite. Whitney and Can... I like Candace's. I liked Candace's too, but I really liked that. Uh, the I don't remember what color Whitney's was on bottom, but the, the white on top was mm. so pretty. It, it, it was really nice. Giselle and Portia are in the confessional, and they're talking about the bottle stuff still, and Giselle's like... You know, the other girls didn't feel like I was being accusatory. And Portia goes, you were definitely accusatory. <laughs> I don't think Portia being, he's even like, girl, you're my friend, but stop. You put on a whole court skit like you had Candace on trial. 
and you trying to say you're not being accused. Get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. Yeah. Um, and then po- and they they do rock paper scissors to determine who is guilty. And Portia's Which, like, I love Portia be like, we're gonna have Heather be the paper. She's flat. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm offended for Heather. Like what? Uh, yeah. Um, as you mentioned, so the stylists then come and, and help get them dressed in their in their dresses and stuff like that. I thought Marisol at one point going when she's putting on her earrings says, "My ears bleed if they don't have real gold." So, I mean. It's, some people have that issue. I have the opposite issue. I can't wear gold because gold is somehow allergic to the acidity of my skin. So if I wear gold for a certain, for a long amount of time, it will literally eat away at the gold. Oh, That's fine. something I inherited from my mother. Science. <laughs> oh. oh, and then oh, and then Pepsi gives Portia a crown, and she's the only one with a with a crown, and crowns her Miss Thailand. Um. She didn't need this yeah. on her ego. Pep- Pepsi is definitely macking on Portia a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Um, Heather and Whitney uh, go on the balcony and talk about the trip and sort of like how the inroads that they made in terms of everything. Um, and Whitney basically like wants to build on the, what the foundation that they laid in terms of the trip and then apologizes to her for questioning her Mormon journey and all that stuff. Obviously, things don't go great from this, but at least it was an attempt. Uh, and then they do their bad weather dance. <laughs> I forgot about this. Which is like full on like uh, <laughs> uh, Have we Mortal seen Kombat. This before? No, this is they no. This is the they just tested this out apparently. No, but I thought that this was bringing something back that they had had before on. Well, well Lisa, Lisa Barlow doing the Whitney and Heather bad weather tornado. No, I knew and, that, but I'm talking about this whole like um, Team Rocket Pokemon thing. I don't remember them ever doing it. I, I don't. I didn't remember it either, and I was like, hey, "Am I making shit up? Am I forgetting shit? What's going on?" Yeah. So they're all driving to the dinner and. Um, things start boiling over in Alexia Marisol's car. Marisol says something about her being a Capricorn, and that's why she's, you know, the way she is. And Alexia's like, you always use your Zodiac sign to, like, justify things. I will say that Giselle brought it up. She was like, let's bring up this topic again. Mm-hmm. So it's Giselle's fault. It's her fault. <laughs> but then this is great. So things are boiling over with Alexia and Marisol, and they're yelling. And, well, I was going to say they're yelling at each other. Alexia's really yelling at Marisol. And then as this is happening, they just cut to the other van, and Heather's te- trying to teach them all drive-back choreography. It's like, no, we do. And then you drive back, drive back. <laughs> and it's so funny because Candace is giving this look to the back of Heather's head like, this is the whitest bullshit, but it's cute. So we're going to go with it. Yeah. Um, Giselle, Giselle's basically just a taking Alexia's word about like Marisol not defending her or whatever. And Giselle's like, well, Alexia feels hurt by it. Cause also at the end of the day, you know, Alexia's on this show because of Mar- or Marisol's on the show because Alexia, because who would be Marisol's friend on the show? Basically being like, you're only a friend of because you're Alexia's friend. Which like, I don't know. She was on the show before as a housewife. So it doesn't seem that odd. Um, and then this was the part where, uh, like, Alexia not bring not or Marisol not saying anything at Nicole's engagement party when Alex when Adriana's boyfriend was like getting in the fight with her. Okay, yeah, whatever. And Marisol was also mad that uh, Alexia made a comment about her marriage being fake, which like. I but also, you don't get to like attack somebody and expect them to not say something back to you just because they're a man and you're a woman. Yeah. 
Like that is weaponizing the quote unquote positive aspects of misogyny and trying to weaponize them against somebody. That's not okay either. Well, I also don't expect Alexia to have that full range to like understand like no, I don't expect her to either, but she ex- she clearly understands what she's doing enough to be able to do it. Sure. There you go. Um, they have dinner at this, like, lagoon, and it's really pretty at night. Like, they were like, this is, like, one of the most gorgeous places we've been to. And that little bench thing that they pull across the, yeah. the water on the rope, that was so cool. I kind of want one of those. It's really cool. We'd have to have a place with water and benches and rope and... All of that. But, you know, if we had all of that, <laughs> then, then I want to have that. Yeah. Yeah, that would be good. Um, Whitney. So Whitney talks about being high the night before and admits to Portia that she ate her chicken. Um, then, oh, so then the topic comes up about the pole dancing. This is when this dinner got this last dinner got crazy. It's like full on. Alexia basically starts asking Whitney what her daughter thinks about her pole dancing. Um, and Alexia... Alexia basically is like, I'm always conscious in what, you know, my kids will think, et cetera. Um, and like, she's saying, she believes she's saying it in like, oh, I'm just asking questions. It's like, I'm curious about your parents. She, but she's saying it in a very accusatory way and yeah. very judging way. Like, Which I, I understand, like, you can't, English is her second language. Sure. So I understand if she's not saying things quite as eloquently. She as, just learned what passive aggressive shade is like a couple uh, days ago. So. Right. So like I get it, but also she's like, and we get this later because um, her and Whitney talk, sit down and talk about it the next morning. But, you know, she, at the end of the day, she's just saying, you know, I struggle with trying to figure out how to, you know, be fully 100% myself, but also, like, what is appropriate to be around my kids and what's, what is, you know, how do you have that balance? How do you find that way to be authentic, but also be appropriate around your kids? Like, how do you do that? And I think she was really just asking for advice. Yeah, but, like, yeah, if she would have said it like that, that would have, but she was just like, I mean, are your kids not embarrassed by your pole dancing? Like, yeah. And Leah's like, and because when she brings up the like, I'm always conscious of what my kids will think. Leah's just like, I'm su- I'm just really surprised by that. You know, since you were married to a cartel member. <laughs> Leah's just like, wow. And then Leah. I, I mean, she's not wrong. And Alexia's like, well, I'm not judging her. It's a, and then gets into it with Leah. And Leah and her confessional being like, Look, you married a drug dealer. The clothes off your back are probably bought off of people who died of overdoses. I was like, wow. But she's not wrong. Like, how are you going? Like, sure, we know what we know after the fact because we know about that dinner or the, the breakfast the next morning and how she is able to explain really what she meant by this. But in what they're talking about at the table, like, how are you going to be mad at somebody for using pot when you were ma- you were married to and your money comes from oh, yeah, someone yeah. who like was selling coke to people and whatever else he was selling to people like you 
Like, your kids know about that. Your kids know where that stuff comes from. How are you going to take care of your kids with drug money and be mad at her for smoking some pot? Yeah. That's like, that's hypocritical, and that's what Leah was saying. Sure. And, of course, Alexia spent this whole episode like being like, Marisol doesn't help me uh, in arguments. And then Marisol tries to help her and basically goes, Whitney, if you had respect for your family, you wouldn't be on a stripper pole on television. And everyone's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> That's the help that Marisol gives that Alexia really desperately wanted. <laughs> See, aren't you, don't you wish you just kept your mouth shut? And I also wonder if that's why Marisol was so vocal at the Miami reunion, mm. which is after this, because she knew Alexia wanted her to be more active in standing up for her. I feel like she was plenty active on the season. Yeah. I, I don't know. I maybe. Know, I, don't, I don't know. It just seemed weird. It seemed put on. Um, and Giselle's like, we shouldn't be judging each other as mothers. That's where, you know, et cetera. And then Whitney with this line about Alexia and her confessional, I just think it's really interesting coming from the same woman whose son has been in the news for kicking a homeless man, Whoop. But, <laughs> which, yeah. Whoop. Uh, so then they go to their private little festival thing called Loy Cretong. I think it's how it's pronounced. Um, and then Pepsi comes in in full garb. On the little like uh uh like gondola gondola thing. thing and has a bottle of Classe Azul that he has found in Thailand. Oh, so wants- it wasn't the only one in Thailand, Giselle. Yeah, but he wants peace. I it's- thought I almost thought that this was a um this was the bottle. No. But it no. But also why would you give her this full bottle that you know she can't take home? Yeah, that she just wanted it for the satisfaction, and I loved everyone being like, "Oh, Pepsi, you're so sweet!" Yay, <laughs> Candace Pepsi. is like, "Don't reward this bitch." Candace literally <laughs> says, "We're rewarding demon behavior." <laughs> I'm with her though. Like, why? Why are we acting like she's the victim and needs to be like taken care of? Yeah, it's yeah. Um, they do their ceremony where they basically put these like flower wreaths or whatever in a pond and give intentions and stuff like that. And it's all the two girls that have been, like, either having issues or whatever. And Candace basically prays for intentional understanding and not misunderstanding. Cut to the reunion when Giselle intentionally tries to misunderstand the uh, colors in conversation. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing I thought of. Yeah. And Leah basically, in her confession, be like, I don't fuck with half of these girls. So, like, you know, I'll be friends with the ones that I became friends with. But also everyone else, I don't even fucking see them again. Bye. Like, <laughs> like I'm done. Uh, and then Marisol and Alexia do theirs, and Marisol starts crying. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what she says at one point, like that, you know, I'm, I've been going through a lot. Like I'm still in my like honeymoon stage with Steve, and I miss him. And I'm always like, need the meat, need the meat. Jeez. Oh my god. Um, yeah. And then so, the, and then Whitney and Heather have their moment too, and it, it's sweet. Um, we go the next morning as everyone's packing up to leave. And then Whit- Whitney and Heather have these like chicken and dog masks that apparently Heather what brought. What the hell was this? Why did Heather bring those? She says, um, at one point she says uh, that a rubber mask or two is something that she always takes on a trip because it can help like diffuse tensions. Yeah. Which like I get. And this also like gives us a good insight into what the way that Heather thinks about things. Right. Her goal is diffusion. Her goal is 
you know, again, same thing we've been talking about with Schwartz on cracking a joke for like, like like, breaking tension and um, making everything go as smooth as possible and not going against the grain. It explains why she's on Jen's side because Jen has kind of strong armed that into the situation where it would be harder to stand up against her than to just lay down to the abuse. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, so Whitney and Alexia then have their talk at, at breakfast and Alexia tries to sort of clarify things. Um, and, and Whitney kind of ends it by being like, you know, I didn't really build a strong bond with Alexia this whole trip. Cause it's kind of awkward. Again, they explain, they kind of get to a place, but it's kind of awkward. And she's like, but you know, I'll take her apology, whether it's genuine or not. Like, you yeah. know, it's sensory. And then, so all the girls are getting ready to leave. And then, uh, Pepsi says goodbye to them. And Candace makes a point to thank Pepsi for everything. And like, it's, a, I thought it was a really sweet, they all got a, uh, him a card and a framed photo of all them together. And like the sealed let, I'm assuming it had money in it. Like, or something. Like I they, thought it was the leftover pot. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. And Pepsi gets really emotional about it. And it's, it was a really sweet, like sort of ending moment. And Pepsi in his confessional basically says like, you know, when, you know, even though they're gone, when the girls go to the fridge and get a can of Pepsi, I'll always be there. It's like, geez, Pepsi. Mm. Pe- Pepsi needs, we, we need Pepsi in the clubhouse. We need yep. like, like he needs to, yeah. Get him on watch what happens live. Yeah. He would be great. So, and then all the girls leave and that's the end of the girls trip. But then we get this scene at the end where Giselle's like, did you guys ever find the bottle? Talking to the producer. Did you guys ever find where the bottle is? And they're like, no, we didn't find it. We couldn't find it anywhere. Cut to Candace and Leah in the confessional with the bottle. I missed this. What? Yeah, it's a post credit scene. And they're, yeah. Oh, yeah, you didn't watch past the credits. And they're both holding the bottle being like, hey. Like, <laughs> got it. And then we see... When Whitney and Heather were having their moment on the balcony, Heather goes, you know, let's get one more swig out of Giselle's bottle. We hit it. Basically, they hit it in the outdoor shower. And like, so Heather, Whitney, Candace, and Leah all were in on it. What? What? I completely missed this. My mind is blown. And Heather, what the hell? And Heather is like, I can't believe she didn't check the out- outdoor shower. That's like the go-to. Also, I called this shit, right? Because I told you, Heather probably took it and hit it somewhere as a prank. Yep. Didn't I fucking say that on this podcast? Yep. Rewind the tape. Producers, rewind the tape. I am producer. I'll rewind the tape. I won't. Which I'm I lazy, can't. But you know. Yeah. Which I, at first when, cause they show Candace and Leah first, I was like, did they steal the bottle that Pepsi gave? Uh, <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> but no, yeah, yeah, it's like perfect. It was like, at least there's a happy ending. Giselle gets fucked over in the end. Uh, we can all go home happy. That was Ultimate Girls Trip. Uh, what do we think of the season as a whole? I thought it was good. I didn't think, I thought some of the past seasons were a little better. Yeah. I think certain elements like Giselle and Leah like kind of hampered it, but like I liked Portia was very funny in moments. I thought Candace was great. Um, yeah, Marisol, I thought, did really well. Like, Marisol, it helped a lot, I think, with Marisol's sort of, like, run mm-hmm. on Miami. Like, I think it's, I think they made the mistake also of, like, having them come off fresh from their seasons that they had already filmed but didn't. Well, like, part, sort of, of, part of the issue is that they came off fresh from their seasons but hadn't filmed the reunion. Yeah. And then we got to see all of these reunions before we saw Girls Trip. So, like, we were seeing things out of order. Right. And it wasn't quite connecting right. Um, 
and usually Bravo is really good about that continuity thing. Um, but this just, but it's also kind of hard to do when you're juggling like six different franchises. Yeah. So I, I understand. Was it six? No. How many franchises are on this? Five. Yeah. Five. Yeah. Five. So when you're juggling like five different franchises in those timelines, and I get that Leah and Portia aren't active, but like the other three franchises are active and they like literally just and it was so much about the drama from the season so it's like that's the problem but overall it was still a fun time it was light it didn't like 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 it there weren't a lot of stakes so it was kind of it was enjoyable for what it was and we got a new star in pepsi yeah we love to see it we love Pepsi, just like uh, Britney Spears loves Pepsi. <laughs> just any Pepsi. Pepsi's Pepsi. All right, babe. Tops and bottoms. Tops and bottoms. We got Jersey. We got Vanderpump. We got Girls Trip. What my, you thinking? My bottom for this episode, without a doubt, in my mind, is Tom Sandoval. I mean. That, particularly this episode. It was, he was at his, the height of gaslighty, obnoxious bullshit. I was with... Like multiple scenes, the Katie scene, the Raquel scene, the Ariana scene. It was just over and over again. Oh, the fucking restaurant scene. He was full on in this episode of just his asshole, like, you know, just all the tendencies that like, just, it's getting so infuriating at this point. And like, you know, I think even if Scandal didn't break into the news and stuff like that, and we were watching these episodes as they is, I even still would be like, Sandoval's a fucking dick. He's just yeah. a dick. He he's so narcissistic. He only cares about himself. He is, you know, so focused on narrative setting and like doing all this nefarious bullshit. He's a shithead to Katie for no fucking reason. The way he was trying to gaslight Ariana in that conversation, and and he's also a shitty business person. It's just like a full fucking trifecta of bullshit. It's awful, 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 awful. Um, it does transition into my top for this week, though, which is Katie. This was Katie's fucking episode. Yeah. I lived for Katie standing up to Schwartz. I lived for Katie um, being independent but and, and also finding sort of someone in Satchel who, you know, even if it doesn't go far, like, is, like, you know, can make her happy and supported, like, the way she shaded Sandoval. That end scene with Sandoval made me so fucking happy. I can't mm, even tell you. Mm-hmm. She is amazing. Like I said it before, if you're not team Katie, what the fuck are you doing? Like Katie is the MVP of this season and for me in many ways. So I really appreciate her. Uh, What about you? What about your tops and bottoms? Well, my bottom uh, is also Vanderpump. It's Raquel, Um, but not actually related. Well, kind of tangentially related to the Scandal shit, but just like how she tried to frame the, the stuff with Oliver um and really like tried to gaslight the audience i know we're using that word a lot but that's accurate yeah um she's insisting that a lie is the truth and acting like we didn't see it with our own eyes and acting like we don't know what the hell's going on um and like we literally saw a very different explanation of what happened and then that's not at all what she then takes to sheena and Lala as an explanation of what happened. And she does that to get them on her side because she knows 
that when all this shit hits the fan in the future, she's going to need allies. And she lost both of them. So did it work? No. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's gross. Like this whole thing is gross and it's pissing me off every episode. I mean, not enough to where I'm not going to watch it. Of course, no, I'm going to watch it. Lap that shit up like it's the fucking nectar of life. But it's... <laughs> and it also helps that we know we're going to get such a satisfying oh, end of the reunion. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait to see Ariana in that fuck you dress. <laughs> ah! um, but yes, Raquel is my bottom. Um, my top is not going to be anywhere near Vanderpump Rules. It's going to be Pepsi. No, Pepsi. Love Pepsi. And I mean, this is more of a um, honoring for him for the whole season of Girls Trip. Um, He really did take care of these women and went above and beyond. Like he went above being just a host and ended up being a ninth cast member. And I really, I really appreciated how much he seemed to care about their experience and about their uh, impression of Thailand and Thai culture and um, really, really did a beautiful job of like showcasing um, at least the culture there in Phuket and, and really giving us a, an insight to um, life, you know, there in, in Thailand. And it was really beautiful. I would love to see him on watch what happens live (laughs) Uh, to dish some bring tea. him to BravoCon. Yeah, bring him. To uh, he Bravo would have Con. the line at the fucking door. He w- and he would have the time of his life. You <laughs> know he would. Um, and he's just so genuine and sweet. And he's a little horn dog. And I just, <laughs> I love it. It's hilarious. And it's oh, it's wonderful. I love that that little guy. Um, he's great. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com. <laughs>